everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the new Press Box Studios here in Towson, Maryland. It is a beautiful, and I can't stress this enough, it is a beautiful Saturday morning it here is, in, in the Baltimore, Towson, Maryland area. About 70 degrees outside, perfectly sunny skies. It is absolutely gorgeous it is. outside. Is there an echo? Can you, maybe we should try to I will close that door. We'll yeah, do that. Get we'll that do that. door closed. Um, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, uh, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Welcome in to the bat around. And if you were under a rock <laughs> yesterday, then maybe you don't know that D.L. Hall, the Orioles number forty, number four prospect, number 62, I believe it is, overall in the top Sounds 100, right. is making his major league debut this afternoon at 4 o'clock against the Rays in Tropicana Field. He is getting the start after his last start at Norfolk where he went five and a third innings pitched, two runs, eight strikeouts, and 99 pitches thrown. So, Zach, this start for D.L. Hall, it's from what, what Rockabaca wrote this morning. So let's, um, let's look at D.L. Hall. And okay. Rockabaco answered a bunch of questions in his mailbag yesterday. Sure. And they asked what the Orioles' plan was. Uh, this was before they announced that D.L. Hall was getting the call. Yeah. Um, and he, they, the one of the questions that was asked was, is D.L. Hall a starter or a reliever moving forward? And he, and Rock said the Orioles 100% view D.L. Hall as a starter. Yeah, he is in their plans for the rotation for the for this for next season and beyond. He didn't say that much in it, but he said that the Orioles 100% view him as yep. a starter. And then we find out he's getting the call yesterday, uh, that he's getting the call for today, and he's going to be starting this game. But then Rock comes out this morning and says this is a spot start right. for D.L. Hall and that the Orioles plan to use him as a multi-inning reliever the rest of the way. But he did throw 99 pitches in his last outing. So it's not like they're starting him as an opener today. They're starting him, and they want him to get as deep as he can. Right, I, I think this is not so much, and what, what Rock is coming out and saying here, is not so much a reflection of how the Orioles feel about D.L. Hall in you know totality, but I think it's how they feel about the rotation and what they have now. They probably feel that we don't want to change what's working. I mean, Spencer Watkins is a guy who's pitching to a 402 ERA right now, and you could go to a six-man rotation. I know you floated that idea, and it's, it's certainly a good one. But if they want to keep that five-man rotation and they don't want to break what's working, I think this is probably the best move. And, and you know, Stan has talked over and over that this guy could be a really, really good, you know, high-leverage reliever because he throws so hard and the stuff is so good. And if the command, you know, isn't really what we hope it is and it's not quite, uh, you know, as polished as we know D.L. Hall can be, then I think this is the perfect role for him. And, you know, maybe he will be, you know, a starter and a number two or number three guy, you know, 24 or 25. But right now, um, what he's doing in 2022, it, this is a really good role for him, I think. Well, and the thing is, so they're not going to go to a six-man rotation. They're giving him a spot start today, and I think that has a lot to do with there was a day off and there was a rain out. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he's also coming up on an innings limit. He's never thrown. He's at seventy innings already this year. Great point. Well, yeah, not, not already, but even Rock Rock said this. He's at seventy innings right now, 
his career high, I think it's like 91 and a third or 90 and two thirds, something, yeah. something like that. It's like right at 91 innings is, yeah. is his career high. They're not going to push him much beyond that, especially after only throwing 32 innings last year. So what Rock said in the, in the, in the article is that today's a spot start. Uh, they're going to use him as a multi-inning reliever the rest of the season. And their thought process is if he's major league ready, why waste the rest of the innings that he has, the rest of the limited innings that sure. he has this season at AAA when he could be helping the big league club? And I think you could make that argument for a few guys, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that's only D.L. Hall. We've talked in, in length about Gunnar Henderson and, and Jordan Westberg. And you look at those two guys, is it the same argument? Can you make that one that why waste, you know, whatever they have left in, in AAA at this point? And, I, I, you know, you, ha- you know how I feel about Gunnar Henderson, that mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be coming up uh, this year. But you can make that same argument if you're going to say that about D.O. Hall. Well, right. And the other thing is, if you're going to call these guys up, it's presumably to help you make this playoff run. Sure. Right? If you're not on the 40-man roster by September 1st, you're not playoff eligible. Right. So, so if they're going to call up Stowers and either Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westberg, and to me, it's one or the other. It's not mm-hmm. both, mm-hmm. right? They've got to add those guys to the 40-man roster yeah. uh, before September 1st if they want them to help them if they may, if and when they make it to the playoffs. And right now, the Orioles, after their win last night over Tampa Bay, 10-3 currently hold sole possession of the third wildcard spot, and they're just a game and a half back of Toronto for the second spot and two games back of Seattle for the first spot. Um, and we're going to get to that here in a second. But you have to wonder what would be the corresponding roster move, right? Because we know that the corresponding roster move is coming today for DL Hall. There is he's already on the forty man, so they mm-hmm. don't they, they don't need to take somebody off the forty man to get him on. Uh, but they do need to get rid of a pitcher. Wouldn't it be head? That would be my. You would assumption. you would imagine yeah. it, it would be head. If Hall's going to go into the bullpen, you would imagine it's going to be head. I, I don't think it's going to be Vespi. But maybe it is Vespi. It could be Vespi. I mean, Vespi's been one of the guys they, they've brought up and sent down quite a bit of times. And, you know, you get a lefty for a lefty in that situation. Right. So I think that could definitely be a consideration. Yeah. And that remains to be seen. I think we can both agree it's probably going to be one of those two guys, yeah. either Lewis Head yeah. or Nick Vespi. Um, but then if, if you want to call up Kyle Stowers, you're probably DFAing um, Brett Phillips. Right, because he that w- right <laughs> he after starting all three games in that series against Pittsburgh over last weekend mm-hmm. he had last night was his first appearance in the, in in a game right yeah. and it, of course they love him in Tampa Bay they're gonna give him an opportunity to get in at bat or two um, he went over two with a strikeout and a pop out against a position player pitching last yeah, night, right uh, on the pop out. Um, you know, Mike Elias was in the booth the other day. I'm not sure if you saw that game where, where Elias was talking. I think I it was like the second or third inning, and he came in, and I believe it was uh, Ben McDonald who asked him about Brett Phillips and why they you know, went, went out and acquired him. And usually Elias is a guy that I feel very confident when he talks, and I, I feel very... Um, you know, confident what he, that what he's saying is going to be correct and that he's coming from a, an approach that makes sense and has, you know, great logic to it. And what he said about Brett Phillips did not make me feel that. He basically didn't have a great answer for Ben and kind of said, well, we like his energy. And that was basically it. And that, to me, is not a good enough reason. We've talked about this in, you know, in, in length in, the, in previous shows, but Brett Phillips is a guy who doesn't make a lot of contact there's not too much power he did hit 12 home runs last year i'll Mm -hmm. give him that but as a defensive outfielder he's fantastic you've got mckenna for that right what are we doing here right and and mckenna's for all intents and purposes having a nice season he is as a fourth outfielder he's doing exactly what you would want a fourth outfielder to do brett phillips 
you're going to pinch run him, I guess. Uh, you're going to put him at, make right. him as a defensive replacement, which is kind of what McKenna is here for anyway. And if you put him in the lineup, you're getting little to nothing maybe out, if, out of him. Right. And maybe if Brett Phillips could play like every position, say he, you know, backed up at shortstop and he backed up at second base and that was something he did, but he doesn't. So yeah. it's not really, there's just no value there. Right. And and then, but what, excuse me, I was convinced that, not convinced, but I was I don't even want to say the word confident. I I wouldn't have been surprised last Monday if the Orioles had called up Kyle Stowers. Mm -hmm. I thought that that might be something that would happen. Um, They didn't. Yeah. Part of me thinks that they might do this on Monday. They might call him up on Monday. Uh, However, he struck out seven times his last two games. Um, Now, he's hitting 270. He's been a productive player. The strikeout rate is still there. It's still four to one, right? Um... So the question becomes, do you hang on to Brett Phillips for now because maybe you think that there's just too much swing and miss in Kyle Stowers' game? Uh, Colton Kowser, this dude doesn't belong in Bowie anymore. No. Right? Last night, uh, 0 for 1, but 4 walks. He's hitting 347 at double A, just tearing the cover off the ball. Fifth overall draft pick last year. This is a guy who probably should be in triple A. Yeah, I agree. At at this point. Or, Or... could you? I I really don't think they're going to do this, but could you see them having him leapfrog Stowers and going straight to the majors from Double A? I predicted last year when they drafted Kowser, I said he could be in the majors very very quickly. That's mm-hmm. what I said, and I I even said end of twenty twenty two. I don't think would be out of question because I think he was that polished of a player, and I think that's one of the big reasons they took him because you know the guy makes a lot of contact. He's polished in basically every part of the game. I honestly. It's not it's not that out there. It's not well, that crazy to say that. If you look at him and do me a favor, pull up Colton Kowser's numbers okay, if, sure. if you could cuz I I have to imagine that his walk to strikeout ratio is far better than Kyle Stowers. Colton Kowser's a guy that the, the reason they drafted him is he makes contact, he hits the ball all over the field. Right. He walks and he doesn't strike out. Well, his on-base percentage this year is 421. Right. So that's incredible. And you know, 901 OPS throughout the two levels. Um, in Bowie, he's actually been a lot better than he was at Aberdeen. The, o- yeah. the on-base percentage is 487. Mm-hmm. The OPS is 1100. Um, he's walked so far at Bowie 27 times and struck out 35 times. So okay. the ratio there, still very, very, very good. I mean, right. they're, they're, it, it's not a huge difference. Far, far better than Kyle Stowers. So what you would have to look at there is... <coughs> Excuse me. Is Kyle Stowers a better option at this point than Colton Kowser? Can Colton Cal- Colton Kowser probably not? Give, Colton Kowser is going to give you professional bats, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, when I was watching him in spring training, they had him face some major league pitchers at times, and mm-hmm. he was not overmatched. He yeah. makes solid contact. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it. But I think it would be one of those savvy moves where nobody expects it, and then boom, Colton Cowser's yeah. in the major leagues, yeah. and he's helping his team make make a playoff run down the stretch. He could, and that's the thing about it. Um, and, and we talked about Adley Rutschman and Taron Vaver, two guys that have incredible approaches, and Colton Cowser, to me, is right up there with those mm-hmm. guys. He just puts together great at-bats, and you really want guys who put together professional at-bats, because you do have, unfortunately, a lot of free swingers on this team already. I mean, you know, Rugnet Odora is, is a free swinger. Jorge Mateo, even though he's been playing great lately, still a really free swinger. Uh, and, and there are a lot of other guys as well. Right, Austin, Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, Austin, sure. Austin Hayes. So to get a great guy like that who can really give you a good at-bat, and Kyle Stowers is really the opposite of that. I, here's a question for you, though. Do you think Kyle Stowers is kind of at the peak of his development right now? Do you think there's much left he can develop in AAA? I think that's probably the biggest question for I the mean, O's. He, he's only in his second full season mm-hmm. of pro ball, mm-hmm. right? And he missed 2020. 
this isn't a guy who's been in the minor leagues for five, six years and is yeah. you know a, a, hitting two is a four A player that hits two seventy with thirty home runs at at triple A. I mean, this is a second round draft pick, right? He's a second round draft pick in his second full season of pro ball. Um, his walk rate has gone up from last year. His strikeout rate has gone down from last year from 35% down to like 24.1%, although yeah. that's probably raised a little bit the last two games with the seven Ks. Um, the batting average is up from last year. I think it is. No, last year he hit like 279. Eight points lower. Yeah. 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 Uh, this year he's hitting 270. The power is still there. He leads the, the he leads all AAA in extra base hits. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he's at his peak. Okay. Um, and I think that once you get to the big league level, I mean, you, you look at look at what Manny Machado did, mm-hmm. right? This is a guy that was hitting as a nineteen slash twenty year old at Double A was hitting two sixty six. He gets called up to the yeah. majors and has a nice rookie season, and then takes off from there, right? Fifty two doubles the next year, hitting close to three hundred. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, these guys get to the big league level, and with big league coaching, mm-hmm. they take that next step. So I don't think that we that we're at the peak for Kyle Stowers. Now, if he were to get to the major league level and it just looks like he's lost at the plate, yeah. you know, uh, maybe. But we have to see that. You know, in the cup of coffee that he got in Toronto back in June uh, or May, I think it was May. Probably not really representative. Not not of representative Kyle Stowers. of you know, he did get he did double and have an RBI before Adley Rutschman recorded his first RBI despite Rutschman having been here yeah. for almost 2 weeks longer. Yeah. Um so I don't know, man. It's going to be an interesting run. I do think you you have more prospects coming to the major league level um, mm-hmm. from the minors, uh, and that brings me to Grayson Rodriguez. And we, I promise you, we're going to get to the game from last night. But this is all like just really big stuff that happened. Grayson Rodriguez uh, th- throwing from 120 feet, mm-hmm. and he threw off a mound the other day, and he said, "I know I'm getting into a ge- I'm getting into game action again this season, and that's all I could have asked for after the injury." Basically, I'm paraphrasing here, right? Um, does Grayson Rodriguez throw an inning for the Orioles this year? I don't think so. Yeah, that I, that would be my guess. I, I doubt it. I was asked. Uh, so Ryan Blake and I, Ryan, our main fill-in here, he and I do a podcast for Utah Street Report called "Give That Fan a Podcast," yep. and we've recorded two episodes. And he asked me on the most recent one um, if I think Grayson Rodriguez will pitch again this year. And th- at that time, and this was just four, like three or four days ago, I said. Uh, he could, but I don't think I think they're going to shut him down. That's still where I stand. Uh, yeah. But now, Mike Elias has even said he's going to get onto a game mound, right? Mike Elias said that. Grayson Rodriguez said that. So now I do think he pitches this year. Okay. It's just a matter of does he do it for Norfolk or does he do, do it for the Orioles? And it brings you back to the rotation question, right? Mm-hmm. Because right now, everybody in your rotation is pitching pretty well. Right. And even if Lyles wasn't pitching well, you're not taking him out of the rotation. Because he's Jordan Lyles and you gave him $7 million to be... You can't do that. Right. So you're looking at Voth, who has a 321 ERA uh, (laughs) since coming to the Orioles. You're looking at Spencer Watkins, whose ERA is well below four since coming off the injured list. And he's got a 402 ERA for the season. Bradish has gone five innings or more in all three of his starts off the injured list and looks a lot better and looks a lot more consistent in the strike zone since coming back. And the stuff is just too good to take him out. Sure. Dean Kramer, I think, might be a little susceptible because I think with Dean Kramer, if you get five innings of two-run ball or less out of him, that's a win. Yeah. Because I expect him yeah. that because he's always going to have that one inning. He always yeah. does, and he yeah. always did through the minors. It, it's a thing for him. He yeah. always has that one inning where he somehow manages to give up a crooked number. Now, yep. against when he was pitching against a team like the Pirates, yeah, he went out there and he shut them down because it's the freaking Pirates. Right. Right. right? So... 
Dean Kramer might be the guy who's most susceptible or might be a guy who moves to a bullpen role. And at that point, maybe then you replace him with Grayson Rodriguez. But you also have Tyler Wells coming back. Tyler Wells traveled with the team, which usually means he's nearing a return to baseball activities. Yeah. And if he's going to come back and pitch for the Orioles again this year, which that would surprise me because I, I when he had the injury, I'm like, he's done for the year because he was mm-hmm. on an innings limit anyway. Yeah. Where do you where does he fit in? I don't think he pitches for the Orioles again this year. I would be surprised. I think it's going to be take a lot, and uh, you know, I I don't think they're going to rush a guy like that back uh, necessarily, just because you know he's going to be a big part of that rotation next year. And they're really, you know, this year they love what they're doing, right? They love this. They love that they're in position to compete right now. But next year, you know, Michael Elias has said it's takeoff from here. You want a guy lift off, sure. Lift I'll, off. Uh, t- to paraphrase, I'll say takeoff from here. <laughs> but you know, if you have a guy as good as Tyler Wells has been, you want him fully healthy coming mm-hmm. in next year and making sure that he is 100% but ready the, to be at that top of the rotation. But 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 the thing is, if he and Grayson Rodriguez don't pitch again this year, mm-hmm. they're on an innings limit again next year. I guess that's true. Um, and Maybe so, you go six-man rotation. You could. I, I, they don't seem like they want to do that. Or, are you talking about next year? Next year, right. Next yeah. year. And, and chances are... Lift off from here means they're going after a free agent pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would imagine that's I, what that means, right? And, and both and Watkins, you know, and even Kramer, as you, you mentioned before, those guys are all, you know, they're pitching well at the moment, but you wonder how long it's going to last. And you need guys, I think, a little more dependable than those three that you can mm-hmm. really say are going to be twenty twenty three. Um, you know, starters for this team. I don't really look at any of those three and go, man, he's really going to be here. You know what right. I'm saying? It's, I, I, I don't I, have confidence in, I that, in the, any of them. I look at the Orioles rotation right now, mm-hmm. and I think that as it currently stands, they have a bunch of fours and fives. They do. They have a bunch of fours and fives, and Bradish has the highest ceiling yes. of the guys yeah. that are currently that are currently on Saturday, August 13th, 2022, mm-hmm. of the guys currently in the rotation Bradish probably has the highest ceiling. Maybe like, a, maybe a number three, right? A number two or a number three for them. I mean, have both and Watkins been great stories? No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Are they going to last? You know, throughout entire twenty twenty three and pitch as well as they have this year? Doubtful for me. And do you want to take that risk when you have guys who are very clearly better than that? Exactly. I, know, I don't think you do. Yeah, it, it's it's. And Dia Hall, again, as we mentioned, is going to be in the rotation next right. year. Right. The, the plan so. is for him to be a rotation yeah. piece moving forward. He's going to get back to starting. Uh, he'll make the start today. He'll be a multi-inning reliever. And you have to look at that, man. And, and it's, you know what? We're stealing a lot of thunder <laughs> from Orioles <laughs> banter. Are. And we have a long Orioles banter today. So um, we'll save that. We'll save that. But, yeah, th- look, this is a great problem for the Orioles to have. You're a, you're a ball club that's 59 and 53. You're playing your best baseball in five, six years. Honestly, your best baseball in probably six years. Yeah, definitely. Right? And you have sole possession of the third wild card spot, and you're not that far out of the first spot in the wild card. Not to mention the fact that the Yankees have they're nine and fifteen. Yeah. In their last twenty four games, and the Orioles have picked up six games in the standings on them. They're only eleven and a half out, and we have seen. Look, if the Orioles win the American League East this year. It is it's like the miracle on ice. It really would be. It, it would it be really it would, would legitimately be. be like the miracle yeah. on ice. And, and oh my God. I would just love to laugh at Buster Olney and Bob Nightingale. <laughs> like, like the Orioles waving the white flag meanwhile they have the best winning percentage in I think all of baseball. Be bad for baseball at that point. So, yeah, but right? Buster Olney's bad for baseball right, at that the, point. The Orioles have a six fifty winning per- six fifty mm-hmm. ball since the all star break. The best winning percentage in all of baseball. I think it's since May nineteenth. I want to say that's the date they have. They're on a ninety-nine win pace, which so, is 
ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely insane. If you look at their pace from July third, mm-hmm. look at their pace from July third. They're on like a hundred and ten win pace. <laughs> yeah, it's they they've lost twice mm-hmm. in August. It's August thirteenth. They've lost twice. Yeah, this month. It, it's the, what's happening here in Baltimore is insane, and that leads me to last night's game. The Orioles had a. To me, that was a bit of a demoralizing loss to Boston. Right, you go in there for one game, not. To, and the, the Elias Sports Bureau counts that as a series. It's Boston's first series win and first series sweep against an AL East opponent mm-hmm. this year, which is stupid. It was one game. The Orioles, they look dead in the water in that game. They're yeah. down 3 nothing in the sixth. They managed to, to, to squeak out three runs, and then they immediately give it back the next inning. It didn't feel right, that game. Yeah, no. the, the, it just it, it, it didn't feel like... It felt like early 2022 Orioles, yeah. where it's like they're, they're contending, but they're not quite there. We talked about it, you know, the first two months that they'd lose by a lot of one and two run games, yeah. and that's kind of how I felt that game was. Yeah. It wasn't their best played game. It, it, it wasn't, and, and you figure, you know, they they had the rain out the day before, and then they had to tra- to fly there, and then they had a flight right after the game to go into Tampa yeah. Bay. Probably not your high energy game that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then you're wondering, are they? <clears throat> it's only natural, right? Every loss when your team is in contention and they're on the fringe of the playoffs. Every loss is magnified. Every loss yeah. hurts worse than it would have otherwise, right? So then you're like, man, I hope this team isn't running out of steam. Not running out of steam. No. They go out against Tampa Bay, against Corey Kluber, who's giving them fits all year. Yeah. They put up a season-high 19 hits. They win the game 10-3. to Jorge Mateo, 5-for-5, five five, his first four-hit and his first five-hit game of his career. Two RBIs last night. Uh, caught stealing for the third time this week, and uh, it was almost a fourth time because uh, the other day when he got a stolen base, it was... Initially rolling out, it was overturned. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Neto Door, four for five with two RBIs. Cedric Mullins, three for five, a home run, two RBIs. Austin Voth takes a no hitter into the sixth inning, five and a third innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, five Ks. His ERA is down to 321 in 13 games and nine starts with the Orioles. How has Voth been able to find success with the Orioles after being so terrible in D.C.? Well, you look at the curveball, and it's one of the better curveballs in baseball. It really has been. If you look at the numbers uh, through Baseball Savant, it's really one of the top curveballs. It just has unbelievable break, and it's, it's getting guys out by so many swing and misses right now and I think that's been the big thing I think the Orioles have kind of unlocked that curveball and made him you know be able to throw it for strikes but also for quality strikes and I think that's been the biggest thing for both but also you know just being able to throw more quality strikes as a whole has been really important for him um, you know not really I, I think when you came here and you saw in the first few games maybe if a, a few more pitches that you know weren't really too quality a little bit down the middle some things that I said man that's going to get crushed if a guy's swinging at that now it seems like he you know he's, he's hitting the black more often uh the stuff has looked certainly better I, I don't know what the Orioles are doing behind closed doors but whatever they are it's working um and, and clearly they're showing both you know numbers they're helping him get better and numbers that they're, they're showing him what he's doing badly it's incredible right now we, and we, it, it's a complete turnaround from what he was in in uh Washington we talked about it um the other, I, I talked about it with Ryan the other day his fastball is in the 90 spin rate is in the 97th percentile. Yeah. And yeah. his curveball spin rate is in the 85th percentile. The curveball is so good. It's and, so good. And then you look at what he's doing. You look at what he said, right? And what he said was the Orioles pitching coaches and their analytics department and developments, their development team is so far and away ahead of the Nationals. It's yeah. not even it's not even close. Um, so you look at that and it makes you confident. That the Orioles can take some of these guys who maybe maybe this this big league coaching staff this big league pitching staff mm-hmm. can 
take DL Hall and help him find that consistency. You know what I mean? Because be huge. It'd be huge. It, it, it would absolutely be huge. So that that remains to be seen. Now, um, we're going to talk about Jorge Mateo a lot in the um, in Orioles banter. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about a lot more about DL Hall. We're going to talk about these prospects about Grayson Rodriguez coming up. But look, last night was a huge win for the Orioles. They got DL Hall going in going today against Shane McClanahan at four o'clock. Um, this is going to be an interesting one to see. If D.L. Hall is on, he's unhittable. Yeah. And that Tampa Bay offense has been struggling a lot. They're missing a lot of their key players, a lot of guys on the injured list. Uh, this could be um, this could be maybe something special for the Orioles today. It certainly is exciting. We're going to go ahead and get Stan, the fan, on the line here for his weekly segment with us. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose to perfect Tacoma to... That doesn't read, right? The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose to the perfect to, you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Rest of the show coming up. We have Stan here in just a few seconds. Uh, at eleven o'clock from BaltimoreBaseball.com, we're gonna have Rich Dubrov. We're gonna have an extended Orioles banter today because there's just so much to talk about. And then take to rake. I was running away with it until last night. It ended pretty damn close. We'll see how that goes. But for now, we turn we turn to Stan the Fan Charles. Good morning, Stan. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing really well, Stan. It is an exciting time to be an Orioles fan, enthusiast, uh, beat writer, journalist, whatever you are. If you're around the Orioles, mm-hmm. it's an exciting time to be in Baltimore. Orioles crushed Tampa Bay 10-3 to last night, Stan. Pretty demoralizing loss the night before to Boston. It just seemed like a low-energy game. And then the Orioles come out and just beat the brakes off of Tampa Bay. What did you see from last night? Was it, what does it say to you about this team that they were able to come back the way they did last night? Well, they've got a, they've got a certain resilience that uh, we wouldn't have thought they had going into the season, you know. Uh, you know. I don't get. I don't let one loss get me down the way uh, I would have in the past. So sure. uh, they just—they're uh, having a mental ability as a team to sort of put that away and uh, focus on today. And Stan, you look at that game last night. Austin Voth, uh, just a, a, a revelation since coming over to the Orioles with that three-two-one ERA in his thirteen games. He takes a no-no into the sixth inning. Um, Mateo, five hits, Odor, four hits, Mullins, three hits, a home run. All of them had two RBIs. Uh, Rutschman, a home run, two RBIs yesterday. Was this one of the Orioles' more complete games that you've seen this year? Yeah, I I think that's a good observation, uh, Paul. Uh, I think it was a a complete team victory. Yeah, it was. I mean, I got to tell you, this Mateo, just uh, the confidence in which he's playing all aspects of the game right now. It's just really fun to watch because he, you know, we in Baltimore, I mean, we've had some terrific players. Um, They pale in comparison to what his athletic ability is, Mm -hmm. this kid. He's an electric uh, baseball player. He's absolutely electric. And and you you mentioned him, Stan, five for five last night, his first four-hit game and the first five-hit game of his major league career. doesn't matter that his fifth hit came off a position player pitching. We won't worry about that. Um, He's slashing 333. 362, 621 with a 983 OPS since the All-Star break. Michael Elias has said 
Yeah, it, he's playing so well. Mike Elias has said Mateo will be a part of this team for years to come. Is he becoming one of the best shortstops in the American League? Uh, you know, I blink my eyes and kind of waiting for it to like end. You know, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop, shoe to fall, the other shoe to fall. Uh, but right now, you you would not be wrong in saying that. Yeah, you it, know, he's been a microcosm of this Orioles season. You're watching him play so well, and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it's just not dropping. And I think that that's a perfect way to describe Jorge. Mateo is certainly exciting, especially when he's batting ninth. To have that kind of production and that kind of a player hitting out of the nine hole for you is certainly a coup for the and I, and I like the fact that I like the fact that they're keeping him low in the batting order. Don't put any added pressure on that kid now. Just let him, you know, because it it ends up being like having two leadoff hitters. You know, when right. he gets on base in front of Mullins, so. Now, good job with what they're doing with him. I, I agree. Now, it's usually, if he gets on first base, it's usually a double, maybe even a triple. But he's been caught stealing three times this week, this past week. And the other the other time that he was ruled safe, he was initially ruled out and it was overturned on review. Are you concerned at all? We, we say speed doesn't slump. He has one of the fastest sprint, speed, sprint times in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, have you seen anything that makes you think maybe he's just not getting big enough of a lead? Maybe he's not getting uh, good enough jumps. Uh, have you seen something from him? That, that... I, I think he's got a target on his back. You know, I think the pitchers and the catchers are really, they're aware of what an elite base stealer he is. And they're just, uh, you know, they're, uh, I, I haven't really been able to say they throw over that much more, but they're much more careful with him. With leads, they slow down a little bit. They use the side, you know, side the slide step, mm-hmm. and they get the ball. They get the ball to the catcher, and the catcher has really been, you know, I mean, the throws that he's been thrown out with are just been perfect throws. Absolutely. So I'm not concerned at all with with that. Stan, we we, we look at the pitching and how good it's been this year, and the the step it's taken forward. And you, you have to think Jorge Mateo has been a part of that and his defense and, and how many runs he's really saved. What has his defense kind of brought to the Orioles and how much of an effect has his defense had on this pitching staff? Uh, I think that's great observation, Zach. You know, I was reading, I saw Jason Stark the other day uh, tweeted um, an article written by a guy, and it's funny, I, I tweeted the guy, and sort of said, hey, can you friend me uh, on here so I uh, follow me on on Twitter so I can email you, you know, a direct message. And he said, I think you can now anyway. And he didn't, get, he didn't, you know, friend me. And he's with um, MLB.com, and I cannot remember his name. And he was talking about four teams that have vastly improved their infield defense. One of them was the Phillies, one of them was the Orioles, and I can't even remember the other two. And it was a terrific article, and uh, they're just uh, that that defense has really helped the pitching. There's no, absolutely no question about it. And it's not just the infield defense. You know, they always used to say in the old days that teams as good as they are up the middle. Well, since they've had Rutschman and Mateo playing at such a high level, and we know Mullins gets the ball, they're just very tough right now. uh, To you know, they they have terrific uh, speed at most positions. Uh, they cover a lot of ground, and uh, they've made it very, very tough on opposing hitters. Yeah, and you look at that defense, and there's not there's not really a weak spot at this point. You can maybe make the argument for Mountcastle over at first base, but I think he's played well enough 
over there stand. Now, my question uh, regarding Mountcastle is, do you see... He's not the greatest defensive first baseman. The Orioles don't really have any other options after they've traded to Trey Mancini. What is their plan moving forward? We've seen Anthony Santander taking ground balls at first base all year. During warm-ups, we've seen uh, uh, DJ Stewart, since he got back to AAA, playing some first base. Do they have a plan for somebody that can fill in for Mountcastle over at first base? I don't know that Nevin's the answer for that. Um, I, I haven't really thought about it. I mean, yeah, you need somebody you know, to, to be able to go over there in case Mountcastle is either hit by a pitch or whatever. So they, they've got to have somebody uh, on the roster that can go over there. And I think right. you probably mentioned the two guys. I, I just don't see them, um, you know, uh, sort of benching Ryan Mountcastle. So I don't really, well, no, uh, he's I, a I young guy, he's a good, yeah, no, he's a good athlete. Mm. I think he's made great, I think he's made great strides over there. I don't know for I did read that Santander's been taking some balls because you do have to have somebody else right. that can go over there. Right, and I guess I don't think that they're going to bet. I think Mountcastle's going to be in this lineup every day for the next five to ten years uh, because of the power right. that he has and his quick bat speed. But if he's the weak link on defense, you would think that maybe that I don't know. We'll we'll see what they do in the offseason. We'll see if they bring anybody in. But I, I wouldn't a- turn him into I wouldn't turn him into a weak link defensively because he might be the weakest defender on the team. That doesn't mean he's a weak link. I, I think he's just, played well overall know. this year. I think he's played yeah, well Yeah, he's played well. Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned about Ryan Mountcastle getting back to being, you know, a hitter that's feared by pitchers rather than being a guy that helps the pitchers. Yeah, and, and you know what? Until until last night, he had a pretty productive week uh, going into that series yep. against Tampa Bay. So yep. I think he's on his way back. Now, somebody who's on his way to the Orioles stand, the big news coming out of uh, Baltimore yesterday, D.L. Hall set to make his debut for the Orioles this afternoon, getting a spot start, as Rocco said this morning. He's the Orioles' number four overall prospect. He's, I believe, number 62 overall in the uh, MLB pipeline top 100 now Stan you've been saying for a while now that he could be an elite reliever but as a starter he's just another guy Rock said in his blog yesterday that I haven't said I haven't said I haven't said he's just another guy I might have said that in one tweet or something you did say that in a tweet yesterday okay he's got he's got electric stuff but because of pitch count I mean the if you read the numbers I'm not really wrong right he's no. pitched 77 and two-third innings in 20 starts. You know what that average is out to, Paul? Less than 3.8 innings pitch, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're essentially bringing up one of their best prospects, and at this point in time, I'm not saying Chris Holt can't have an impact on them and, and the Orioles' defense can't have an impact on them, sure. but they've, they're essentially making him a glorified opener is what they're making him mm-hmm. instead of a guy that could come in and I'll just uh, pulled up the 2014 Orioles. Andrew Miller pitched 20, 20 innings that season in 23 games, gave up eight hits, three runs, walked four, struck out 34. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles won the American League. Uh, they won the, uh, you know, they got to the American League Championship Series. Yeah. That's what he can be. And instead, you're going to throw him out there eight times, nine times, and he's going to throw three innings. I, I, it just makes no sense to me well, at all. Well, Stan, so in his last start um, on Sunday, he went five and a third innings. He threw 99 pitches. I think that they have him 
starting today with the intent to th- to go as deep as he can. But they, they also but then Rockabaco alluded to it this morning that the Orioles' plan after today is to use him in relief as a multi-inning reliever. So well, that that is what that's what he should be used as. So at, with the plan that he's going to move back to a full-time starter next spring when they enter spring training. So right I, I, until I could, they realize until they realize that uh, that what I'm saying is correct that that's what he is. He's a potentially great relief pitcher that you're going to fart around with uh, and and turn him into something that he's not. He hasn't proven that he's a starting pitcher at any level. Yeah, look, the the he at times he's masterful, uh, but when he doesn't have it, it's not good. He's given up. Zach, what do you what do you think, Zach? I I, I want to see him get a chance to start because I think there there yep. is a chance, but I, I do see him probably as as a long term reliever. I think that's more uh, more where he'll end up based on the fact that you know most of the guys who uh, end up in the bullpen are the the good stuff low command guys, and I I just think that's what he'll end up being yep. long term. And he's got a chance to be, and this is not me saying, hey, he's got a chance to be Joey Kreebel or, you know, or Brian Baker. This is a guy who could be, what I'm comparing him to, is Andrew Miller, Mm -hmm. Josh Hader. Okay, so it's just a different interpretation of what I see. Yeah, Yeah, and if the Orioles get that out of of D.L. Hall, it's a win. Uh, but I also think that if, if... I hope he pitches, I hope he pitches six great innings today. I'll be surprised, though. Mark me down in the category of surprise if he gives the team a really effective start. We'll see. Maybe his focus will take over and the adrenaline will, and he'll just be able to do something very special. But he has a special arm, and I think the, the, the best way they could use him as a, is as an electric relief pitcher. Yeah, and that ultimately might, and we've talked about this all year, that that, and I think we all agree that that's, what he could, there's a good chance that it's what he ends up being. I do look at the fact that yep. he's got that, that that strong Orioles defense behind him. He's throwing to Adley mm-hmm. Rutschman, who might be the best catcher in right. the game already, and he's got a big league right. coaching staff. And, and I look at that mm-hmm. and I say, if anybody can turn it can turn it around for him, it's what he's going into today. But if yep. he becomes Andrew Miller or Josh Hader, that's a win too, right? Yeah. It's a huge win. Now, it's Stan, win. the Orioles do need to make a corresponding roster move to get D.L. Hall onto the active roster. He's already on the 40-man, so that's not an issue, but they've got to get somebody right. out to bring him in. Is it, at this point, you look at it being Lewis Head, or is it going to be Nick Vespi? I think those are the two probably main options there. Well, if you're starting off with, and let's get, let's be real about this, if D.L. Hall does pitch an electric five-plus innings today, mm-hmm. then they're going to they're gonna say, well, we, we're going to adjust, and he's going to start, um, which would make, to me, the thing that makes most sense isn't to knock anybody out of the rotation. They've got five starters right now that right. I count, correct? Right. That's correct. I would just go to a six-man rotation because they want to limit a bunch of these guys' innings coming down the stretch. Sure. And they got Tyler Wells coming back, you know, uh, hopefully in the next week or 10 days, something like that. I don't think there's any question. It's it, With him as a starter right now, the guy to send down is Lewis Head. Yeah, I, I, I think that... you, you have to have another left-handed relief pitcher. You, know, you need two left-handed relievers. Yeah. Now, do you anticipate, Michael, I said uh, prior to last weekend that the Orioles are going to have um, some reinforcements <clears throat> coming from the minor leagues. 
Now, in order to be eligible for the playoffs, assuming... Uh, we don't know that the Orioles are going to make the playoffs. Right now, they hold a playoff spot. If the Orioles are right. to make the playoffs, for, the, for these guys to be playoff eligible, they have to be on the 40-man roster before September 1st. Do you anticipate mm-hmm. any other moves coming from the minor leagues between now and September 1st so that you can get these guys playoff eligible? And if so, who are we looking at? I mean, the only... You know, I mean, there's... there's I guess there, there's a notion that Gunnar Henderson could come up, you know, and I guess Stowers would be the other guy. But right now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little shy on understanding how they'd fit him in right now. Right. I, I agree with you because you look at the at-bats that Taron Bavra is taking, you kind of want him in the lineup more often than not. You've already got your established outfield in Santander, Mullins, and Hayes. I would imagine that that DL uh, that um, Brett Phillips might not be longed for this team, uh, especially when you see how limited his playing time has been since last weekend. Uh, and Kyle Stowers has struck out seven times his last two games. The strikeout rate is still really high. Uh, right. I just don't know. I mean, the guy the guy that I'd see that perhaps could go down would be Tyler Nevin. I mean, you know, he's it's the frequency in which he plays, uh, and uh, you know. I just that would be that would be my weak weak guy on the roster right right but yeah. but then you got to find a way to get whoever because whoever you're calling up whether it's Henderson or Westberg or Stowers you're going to play them every day so you have to find a way to get them into the lineup um, and those are tough decisions that good teams have to make right Stan so it's better to be in this position than the alternative but it is a difficult decision nonetheless they, they, the problem they'd have with the uh, you know, Nevin. While he's not a plus defender, he's not. He's not. He doesn't hurt you when he plays third base. He's, right. He's, he's decent. Okay. Is who would be that guy to replace Urias if Urias gets gets hurt? You know. I w- I would think it would be Henderson. Uh, he's played a really strong third base uh, in Triple yeah. A and Double A this year. I would think it would be Henderson to play third base. Maybe. Um, if Arias doesn't get hurt and you just want to make a change, maybe you put Arias at second base. And but they love the I don't know, man. There's just so many guys on this roster that are that have value yeah. at this point. It's a really tough thing to yeah. try and figure out. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the least valuable guy they have of the player position players is Nevin right, right. now. You know? Right. But he's not an everyday player, and the move to get him out no. would bring but, in. But he, 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 but remember, Urias, the one thing we've often talked about him is he bre- he breaks down. Now, he doesn't look like he's breaking down at all. You know, there used to be, for me with Urias, there used to be a tell that I could sort of see the way he's moving. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he looks pretty fresh right now, so yeah. not he- counting on that happening, but. They, they they may need somebody that can play some third base. And he's been a very streaky hitter. So maybe while yeah. he's streaking in the wrong direction, get somebody up that can play every day that can kind of give you good quality at bats. Now, Stan, we're going to throw another wrench yeah. in the spokes because Grayson Rodriguez has been throwing from 120 feet. He got onto a mound the other day. He and Mike Elias have said that he's going to pitch again off of a game mound this year. With that in mind, will it be for the Orioles and should it be? Boy, that's a that's a really. Tr- I got asked that question last night on Twitter, and my response was that uh, I think they want him to to know. I, I know they want. I know they ideally would like him to pitch, so he won't go into spring training next year 
you know, worried about, you know, is this thing going to hold up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's worked extremely hard rehabbing and uh, doing physical therapy for his latch strain. Um, so my thought would be, yeah, go back to Norfolk and, and pitch a little bit. But again, he's, he's potentially uh, so electric that he could end up being, uh, you know, suddenly you put him in our bullpen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in September. Uh, you know, I don't know. And maybe- uh, so I'm sort of, I'm tossed and turned on that. I don't think he comes directly up to the Orioles when he's healthy, sure. when they deem him healthy enough to pitch. So, but could he be a September call up and make a spot start or do what I'm saying is be a guy, another guy in your pen. But I think the, the mission, the mission a for the Orioles is to have him ready to go next spring training. Oh, I agree. So, I, I, and yeah. you look at it, Stan, and you look at, you plan on Tyler Wells and Grayson Rodriguez and probably D.L. Hall being in your starting rotation next year. Uh, D.L. Hall's not going to get much more than 100 innings if he even gets that much this year, right? Uh, Grayson Rodriguez and Tyler Wells were on innings limits, and then they both got hurt and missed significant chunks of time. Are you going to have three guys in your rotation next year that are on innings limits again when you look at those three pitchers? Uh, again, um, I'm, I'm very interested now that rock has come out and said that they plan to use DL Hall as a relief pitcher, the rest of the, you know, after this initial start, uh, I don't have him penciled in the starting rotation. Right. DL Hall. So I think you'd have, uh, you know, I think you'd have t- Tyler Wells. I think they clearly are going to feel what is Wells going to finish up with this year? Are they? He's he's at like eighty five or ninety now, and the 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 cutoff was going to be about one hundred and twenty five. Is that right? Um, I, I think the cutoff was probably at like one hundred and twenty. I think that that's correct. I'm not yeah. quite sure what yeah. is. In I don't it. I don't know that he's going to get there this this season. He's, uh, he's currently. Yeah, I guess he. I guess he can. He's currently. I guess he can get to him. Yeah, he's currently 91. at ninety four point two. Yeah, ninety four and two thirds right. innings. Yeah, so yeah, he, so, he, he could get so, there. Yeah, he, he'll make a hundred. So, so that means next year he could probably throw one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty in. Yeah, yeah. he he could he That's could make that jump. That's about the jump that he made. Yeah, and if you yeah. if you're getting one hundred and fifty innings out of out of a starter this, in in today's game, that's, that's in today's a, game as a fourth or fifth starter because you'd like to see no matter what we saw this year, you'd like to see them want to get better with that rotation. Yes, and. And, you know, whether it's signing Lyles, to me, I would try and sign Lyles for another one-year contract and, um, and, and go out and get somebody better than Lyles, right. you know, uh, as well. So, you know, you're going to have that eight or nine contenders for starting spots next year, yeah. you know. And, that, and, and, that's a, and that's a healthy, I think that's a healthy thing rather than worrying about well, how are we going to get Spencer Watkins and Dean Kramer or innings? You know, uh, right. the thing is, you, you want to be better than what they are, uh, and they've both been pretty darn good. So the bar has been raised at what you want, but there's no question. I'd love for them to go out and and either get two guys, new guys that are established major league pitch starting pitchers, or re-sign Lyles and get one more guy like that. And keep your fingers crossed that means can really be back in a meaningful way come May 
May to May fifteenth next year. And you know? th- I'm glad you brought up Means because I meant to say that too. That's another guy who would probably be on an innings limit next year, coming off of Tommy John surgery. So you, you potentially yeah. four yeah. guys that are on innings limits next year. Stan, but, I got to tell you, but the, when you've got as many, but when you've got as many numbers as the Orioles look like right now, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not that daunting a task to to envision a Watkins and a Kramer getting starts next year, you know, and both, you know, uh, that there, there's like sort of a yo-yo thing or a six man rotation. Yeah. uh, I'm not that worried about the the pitch limits. I'm worried about the quality of pitchers that they have. And it right now, it's hard to toss Kramer Watkins and vote to the curb. You know, I got to tell you, I think that the guy with the highest upside of those three is both at this point. The, the, yeah. the, the, the elite spin rate on both his fastball and his curveball, what he's done since coming to his the His curveball, when he really uses that curveball, it, it's a pitch that hitters aren't used to seeing now. You know, He threw one. Yandy Diaz is a really professional hitter, and he uh, threw him one last night that like sort of knocked his socks off. I don't think it was a strikeout pitch, but he got to, to two strikes on it, and it was really... You know, quite remarkable. Yeah, I, I was I was working. I didn't get to see too much of both his performance last night, but Zach said that the curveball last night was absolutely fantastic, and I've seen it in the yeah. past look look very good at times. So, look, it, it's an interesting and good problem for the Orioles to have. I got to tell you, Stan, my, my pipe dream for the rest of the season is that you get Grayson Rodriguez up here maybe at the end of the month, and then you have he mm-hmm. and DL Hall going piggybacking. Um, in that uh, one, one opens yeah, game, the yeah. other one comes in. That to me, that's like that's that would be incredible. But uh, that would be that's an interesting way to that's an interesting way to think about it. No question about it. Stan, how much fun are you having with this team this year? I know you don't do rankings, you know, so I'm not going to ask you to rank this team among the funnest teams that you've watched in Orioles history. But how much fun are you having watching this team after what we've been watching for the last oh, five it's years? Great. It's 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 fabulous. I you know I either go to the ballpark uh, or sit on my sofa and I'm watching a game that that I feel means something. Yeah, you know, I didn't feel I didn't feel in. Uh, you know, basically the second half of 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, that's five seasons, you know. I mean, I was 65 years old when this rebuild started, and I'm 70 now. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a, I'm having a blast watching, watching the games. It's, you know, it's really so am. much fun, and it, it really reminds me a lot of that 2012 club where you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just never does, and they only got better and better and better. It's, it's been an awesome awesome season so far Stan yeah I do want to ask and it's and it feels and it feels like we're only just beginning right Um, and that's what's so exciting to know what the conversation that we're having I never dreamed we'd have this conversation this year and then to know that it's only going up from here is just amazing it's awesome it's awesome what more could you ask yeah it really is fan it really is I mean I give good look I disagree with Mike Elias on the usage of Hall right now but uh, overall, you've got to give Mike like an A plus on what he's accomplished here. I agree. You know? Now, Stan, before I let yeah. you go, another big thing yeah. in the news is that Fernando Tatis Jr. failed a uh, drug test back in March, and he is suspended rest for the rest of the year. It was a performance-enhancing drug. He's suspended for 80 games. This after he had that motorcycle accident where he ended up breaking his wrist. Uh, he was only supposed to miss mm-hmm. three months. He's missed four uh, to this point, yep. four or five months. 
great, great, great long-term signing. And now I, I read a headline last night. I didn't read the story. It says uh, GM says he cannot tr- can't trust Tatis. Yeah. Well, when did you 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 knew you could trust him when you signed him to a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No. That's I, a I, I, that's, that's a crackpot organization. And, and I'll tell you, he's he's still only what twenty two, twenty three years old. He's still young right, enough to right. turn it around and make amends for this and prove that this was just a stupid mistake that he made. But now you've got teammates. You've got Musgrove coming out and talk uh, uh, coming out against him, and, and Mike Clevenger coming out against him. And it's you have to he's regain. Gonna have to, he's going to have to regain respect in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and, and uh, that uh, this was really uh, just a remarkable turn of events. After look, I knocked. Preller, because to me, Preller's a bit of a fraud, um, you know, who's, who's got somehow bamboozled. He's like a snake oil salesman to his bosses that they just keep upping the payroll. And, but, but, um, you know, in, it's just a, after he worked that hard to say, Hey, now we really got something because Tatis is going to be back in 10 days or two weeks. And now we got Soto and we got Brandon Drury. You know, I mean, they're still a good team on paper without Tatis, uh, and Bob Melvin's an excellent manager, mm-hmm. but that's really a bonehead play uh, well, and, by and that kid. The thing is, how does the team not know this before it gets announced? With with the Orioles, with Rafael Palmero back in 05, the Orioles knew well in advance that Palmero had failed a, right. a, a drug test. How do you right. not know? When I did they, not know. I I did not know that they didn't know. Well, because so I, I assume they would have known. Because they made these trades less than two weeks ago, yeah. with the intent yeah. of him being part of that lineup. There's no way that the, that the drug test that he failed in March is that. Oh, this the, is a March. I haven't read the article. This is a March I, drug I, test. I read something. Then they where, had to. They had to know. Right. They had to know. Yeah, it just doesn't. Then make again, a lot of sense. he's he's calling. He's conning his bosses then to believe he didn't know. Yeah, Trust it's me. yeah it, the, the whole yeah, thing. It's, is it's, 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 yeah, it really is. And and he had ringworm. Yeah, or at least he claims yeah. that he did. That's what his excuse for yeah. testing positive. But the thing yeah. he tested positive for, from what I heard, actually has a negative impact on ringworm. Makes it worse, and it's actually something right. that's known for, to help heal wounds. So, will. I, I don't know. I'm sure more will come out. We, I, I'm not a specialist on this uh, stuff. I just think it's stupid. Yep, you got to yep, know what you're putting in yep. your body. All right, Stan, we yep, are up against yep, it. Yep. Thanks so much. We will talk All to you right, next guys. week. All right, guys. Talk to you later. See you, Zach. Talk to you later. Bye. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan caught up with Baltimore Arena General Manager Frank Remish, who actually plays in my baseball league. Really? Um, really? Yeah, when we were playing the Yankees in my league, a couple he was playing first base. Nice guy. Uh, he called up with Frank Remish to discuss what the renovated arena will do for the city. Find the show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back for another great show Monday with Orioles scout Ken Guthrie, who was the lead scout for number one pick, Jackson Holiday. Zach, can you do um, sounding off in about 
two minutes. Can you get it in about I'll two minutes? I'll get it in quick. I'll okay. get it in quick. I just what, that's, talk- what, that's what she said. Okay. I, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about something I found pretty cool this week. So a lot of people on social media were talking about Edwin Diaz and his use of the song Narco by Timmy Trumpet mm-hmm. uh, as his walkout song as the closer. We know about Mariana Rivera using Enter Sandman, the famous Metallica song, his, his walkout song. And I've kind of thought about this a lot over previous years, and I've talked about it in other sounding offs, that I think the baseball fan experience should use more of this kind of stuff, and I think they should get fans more involved like they are right now. That got so many people talking with Edwin Diaz using this song. It got so many people excited. It was blowing up on social media all week. And I think stuff like that is going to be you know, more commonplace and should be more commonplace uh, inside baseball stadiums. And like I said, it's been happening for a while, but with more people adopting it and more players using it and you know, kind of building up brand through these songs I think it's really cool kind of like the the home run chain for the yeah, exactly and the, the home right. run jacket for the blue jay stuff like that all of this stuff is very you know it, it, I think it kind of brings people together it's it's exciting and it, it definitely improves the fan experience at the ballpark so Felix Bautista Orioles closer he's the new closer for the O's and he started using uh, the farmer in the Dell the whistle from uh, Omar Little and the wire uh, the same thing the Ravens started doing last year before they announced the starting lineup for the game um, this is something that again I, I love it i hope he keeps using it i just want more you know more of these mlb teams to start figuring out ways to get fans excited i, I think this is this is awesome I mean, if you if you saw the video of uh of, of the whistle going off in camden yards and and uh the lights were, were flashing and everything it's just, i was at that game uh, yeah it, but, but i we left during the rain delay because we had a pump okay. to go home and take okay. care so i missed that part but i saw videos but stuff like that i i love the way it involves everyone it gets the fans excited i just love this stuff right now yeah well he had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do. With, he okay. had nothing to do. He didn't even. Know, he doesn't even. He didn't even know what it was from. He yeah, so, so that's what I'm telling. So, so the I, Orioles did that for him. They okay. actually recorded his hype video. Hmm, okay. That day, Rock said that you could you could see the smoke from the hype video in in, <laughs> really? the, in the clubhouse. Um, but yeah, he said, "Look, I love it." He he said, "Look, I if if, if something that that the, that the fans love, I love it." Yeah. He's like, "I don't really know anything about it." He was like, mm-hmm. "Last year they started playing the Undertaker's music when I would come in. I thought that was cool." So, he was like, "I don't know what I'll do in the future." He's like, "I'm up for anything." So, more of this kind of stuff baseball. But it, it was definitely cool of the Orioles love to it. do that. We really got to catch a break cuz we got to get Rich Rich has limited time. So, we got to hit a break. When we come back, Richie Brawl from Baltimore, from baltimorebaseball.com here on the Batter Round. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. 
If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back into the bat around. The first hour of today's show was brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. We now have from BaltimoreBaseball.com. He may have been at the FanDuel Sportsbook this morning placing a few bets. He is Rich Dubroff. Rich, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? We are excellent. Orioles are playing good baseball. DL Hall's debuting today. It's a beautiful day outside. Couldn't ask for a better Saturday. Let's get right into it, Rich. DL Hall is the news of the day. What did Mike? Why did Mike Elias deem that now is the right time to bring up D.L. Hall? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I didn't. You're going in and out. Oh, uh, my, my apologies. I, why did Mike Elias deem that now is the right time to bring D.L. Hall into the fold? Well, you know, he doesn't have very many innings. He doesn't have very many innings left in his, uh, you know, in in their plan, and they want his innings remaining innings to be used in the major leagues. I, I, I obviously thought that he was going to be up before now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these are important, you know, these are important games. We're in the, we're, you know, we're getting into the championship distance now. And he thinks that Hall, you know, Hall's innings can be used to, uh, you know, to help the, you know, to help the Orioles get to the postseason. I mean, that's, uh, that's it. I mean, that's why any, you know, people, People have gotten so used to, to losing around here that, you know, the mentality has changed. They're bringing him up not to take a look at him, but because they think that he can help them get to the postseason. Well, yeah, and look, today is pretty much a spot start for him, uh, and then he's going to be used as a multi-inning reliever the rest of the way from what we're hearing. He is? From what we're hearing? Well, we, uh, where did you hear that? Uh, it was in a, a Rockabaco put that out this morning. 
So that, uh, that's that's what I that's what I read on social media. It could have I, I I tend to. I just wanted to make sure you were. You know, I didn't know if you had Mike on earlier today to talk about that. Oh uh, no, we we did not have Mike on earlier today. Uh, Matt Kremnitzer, who is one of our reporters here for uh, Press Box, put out this morning that. Rock Abaco basically said that that was the plan. He says, Rock says D.L. Hall will get a spot start today and then be used in a relief role for the rest of the season. Uh, and then the little quip says, Hall is starting today, but no one is expected to leave the rotation to create space for him. I'm hearing that he's likely to make well, a spot start. Well, I mean, start. we could have a six-man, ro- you know, we could, uh, we could, they could have a six-man rotation. You know, yeah. I mean, lots of, uh, you know, thing, things are not, with the Orioles, you know, things are going to be planned day to day. Yeah, no, absolutely, you know, absolutely. If, and it, if he can be, if he can give you, if he can give you a start now, fine. Uh, and then they're trying to save innings for with some of these other guys, and then maybe later, you know, maybe later he starts again. Yeah. So we don't, you know, we don't know. I don't think that there's any, you know, I don't know that there's any huge plan, uh, you know, for you know, you got fifty games, and they're trying to win as many of the fifty games. As possible to get to the to get to the postseason, and uh, you know, and I would say, and, you know, and it's no surprise to think that Hall could be used in bulk relief because they've kind of moved away from Keegan Aiken mm-hmm. uh, in bulk relief. A- Aiken is more is being used more um, more regular, you know, more regularly. Yeah. So it, it's going to be inter- You know, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he's used um, and and to see how he to see how he does because you know. They they've decided they need him to get to the postseason. Now, he you there was a long period of time where you couldn't talk about DL Hall without talking about Grayson Rodriguez and vice versa. Grace Grayson Rodriguez was throwing from 120 feet, and then he got onto a mound the other day. Um, we're pretty sure he's going to pitch again this season. Will it be for the Orioles? And can you envision a scenario in which you have a Grayson Rodriguez DL Hall piggyback? Why not? I mean, it could be, it could be anything, you know, there could be, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes for them to get into the postseason, you know, they're going to do If they think that Grayson Rodriguez can help them, you know, with his innings, get to the postseason, they will. Now keep in mind, you know, they're going to have in September, they're going to only be able to add two players, mm-hmm. one of which will be a pitcher, one of which won't. And so, if they add, you know, if they add, let's say, Grayson Rodriguez with two weeks to go in the season, which is, you know, let, let's say, you know, he's just starting to throw now, and let's say it takes him, you know, a month or so to to get into um, to get into game shape, and, and then maybe he could help at the end of the season. But then then you're taking with Hall and, and Rodriguez, you're basically having two starters, mm-hmm. and and you're cutting down the number of relievers you have at a time when you may need a lot of relievers. So there's so many, you know, there's so many complexities here and, you know, don't, again, don't, don't think that there's some big plan because, you know, they'll wait and and they'll wait and see um, what will, uh, you know, what, how they could get into the postseason. And if, you know, Grayson Rodriguez can help them get into the postseason, they will, but they don't have the luxury you know, with all these start with a lot of these starters not going six innings, they don't have the luxury of pulling, uh, you know, of adding, let's say, a six a sixth starter, maybe, and, and and having 
one fewer relievers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because I say a six-man rotation, but they could use Paul as a, you know, as a swing guy. But if, if you do that, then you're having basically six starters and seven relievers. And right. if you're using three or four relievers every night, uh, as they have been, that, that's going to, you know, that's difficult to sustain. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And you've already put a lot of innings on your bullpen's arms to this point. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Now, you talk about Grayson Rodriguez and maybe he can help you for the final couple of weeks of the season. Um, but say that the Orioles do make the playoffs. Wouldn't he have to be added to the 40-man roster? Sorry, you go, you're, going, you're going in and out again. Would Grayson, wouldn't Grayson Rodriguez have to be added to the Orioles' 40-man roster ahead of September 1st to be no. playoff eligible? That's not a thing anymore? No. No, 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 no. That's 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 that is that that was never a thing. It it is getting someone from outside the organization. Oh, if they would gotcha, acquire gotcha. someone from outside the organization, let's say they picked somebody up on waivers on September second because sure. they thought that they could help them, they would not be eligible for the postseason. But they can bring. There have been a number of players who have made their their debuts in the postseason in the last few years. Yeah, I remember uh, um, Mondesi uh, for the Royals did that. Um, right, and there were, there, were a couple of, yeah, there were a couple others. Also, like K-Rod, when he first came up with the Angels in 2002, he didn't come up till like September 10th. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and he uh, helped get them to the, uh, you know, help, help them win the World Series. So, no, that would not be... That, that would not be the case. I appreciate the clarification because I, I remembered a September 1st date, but I, I could not remember that it was uh, if you had somebody come in that was outside the organization. So thank you right. for and, clearing that up for me. Um, and also, that's when they had a second trading deadline. Right. That was more important. There was a second trading deadline uh, you know, where you had to clear waivers between August 1st and August 31st. Right. But that's now, go- but that's now gone. But yeah, I mean, it's like if they get somebody on waivers tomorrow, they're eligible. But if they wait until after September, you know, September 1st or later, they can only be used in the regular season. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, again, thank you for the clarity there. Now, we know that D.L. Hall is up here. And we know that Michael Elias talked about reinforcements from the minor leagues, and I'm paraphrasing there, uh, over the last two months. Uh, we're waiting on top-performing prospects like Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Kyle Stowers. Uh, Kyle Stowers has struck out seven times in his last two games. Uh, while he's hitting 270, he has a ton of extra base hits. The high strikeout rate still remains. Uh, is that really the reason that we haven't seen Kyle Stowers except for his cup of coffee in Toronto a few months ago? Yeah, you, um, unfortunately, I guess the cell service here in uh, Tampa isn't great because you keep going in and out. Um, but I think you're asking me uh, about Kyle Stowers yes. and the, uh, uh, you know, and, and if he's going to be brought up, he could, you know, he could be, um, you know, they're going to get the opportunity to add another player, you know, add another player, you know, at uh, September 1st, mm-hmm. and maybe it's going to be him. And they, they could decide to, to bring him up beforehand. But the only reason to bring him up now is again, it's again with the, the same thing was with the pitchers. Uh, is if if they think that he can get them to the postseason, they don't right. need to to take they don't need to take a look at him. You know, if they were if this were a time when they were 15 games out, yeah, you want to see what he you want to see what he has, um, you know, so you can make judgments on the future. But now you're trying to you know you're trying you're trying to win. Right. So if they think Stowers can help them, 
that's fine. Uh, that's fine. I mean, right now, if you brought him up, he probably, you know, there probably aren't regular regular at bats for him, um, yeah. barring you know, barring an injury. Uh, you know, even if he replaced one of the outfielders that they have now, uh, you know, one of the reserve outfielders. I mean, you have Santander hitting well, and you, you know, I know Hayes hasn't been hitting hitting great, um, but you know, he's he's playing regularly. Mullins is playing regularly. So, you know, and, you know, I guess you could make him the make him the DH, but you want to uh, keep Rutschman in there lots of times. And Vavra, for not that catching. matter. And Vavra's and, putting and up Vavra, good yeah, bats. Yeah, Vavra. So, yeah. So, all of a sudden, you have these really good problems yeah. <laughs> that the Orioles have. You know, for the last few years, they've had the, all these horrible problems. Like, where are they going to get guys to do this now? Now it's, where are they going to, you know, where are they going to find time for all these prospects, space for all these prospects? So, that's the... Those are those are good problems to have now. Absolutely. Now another good problem that they have is that Tyler Wells traveled with the team uh, to Tampa Bay, which, if we read the tea leaves, usually means he's probably nearing a return to baseball activities. I was under the impression this is just because that's this is how my mind works that I was very doubtful that we'd see Tyler Wells or Grayson Rodriguez again this year, just because they were already on the innings limit. And there's no need to rush them back as they're a big part of the future. But now Tyler Wells is he he's probably going to pitch again for the Orioles this year, correct? Did we lose you, Rich? Yeah, no, no, I I lost you. Um I'm T- here. Tyler um, Wells probably going to pitch can't. for the Orioles again this uh, year. Well, right? I'm I didn't hear you, but I'll just, let me just uh, I'll I'll answer what I think you've asked, which is what's going on with Tyler Wells. Yes. Tyler Wells has been, you know, has been traveling with them, you know, since he, you know, since he got hurt. Oh, okay. Um, and the or uh, and the Orioles, um, for the Orioles, this regime doesn't automatically send players down to Sarasota to work out. They work. They send them down to Sarasota to work out if they're, you know, if, if they think that there's reason that they think that they need to be in a throwing, pro, you know, uh, a more intense throwing program, you know, throwing to throwing to batters. So he's not close. He's not close to that. Uh, and, and yes, it is. It is very possible that he won't pitch um, the rest of the year. It's possible that Rodriguez might not pitch sure. the re- you know the rest the rest of the year. I think they just want to see what they have with him because you know he, he he threw so few innings this year that when we get to 2023, his number of innings will be limited. And if they could get him in, you know, if they can add 10 or 12 or you know 15 innings. To his base this year that'll help you know that'll, that'll help get him more innings in um in 2023 and rich th- that leads me to my final question i know you got to run so i'm going to try and make it quick for you the orioles it looks like they may have as many as four pitchers next year on an innings limit when you consider wells and rodriguez and then d uh not dean great but dl hall and then john means coming back from tommy john surgery do you think that that makes him more aggressive in the free agent pitching market this offseason Sure. I mean, I think that they're, you know, I think that's what they're going to, you know, that's what they're going to need. I mean, they, the outfielders, you know, they, they look like they have, you know, uh, good, you know, good outfielders. They have terrific infield prospects. Obviously they're set behind the plate. Other, they may go out and get another, you know, a backup, ca- a backup catcher and some, sure. you know, backup infielders and, st- and stuff. But I think, uh, I, I think they'll be aggressive, more aggressive. I mean, I don't think that they're, they're going to go out and, been, you know, buy somebody for five years and 120 million, but I think that they're going to be 
more aggressive than they have been. Yeah, and, and that's what Michael Elias alluded to. He says, lift off from here. So we will see what he decides to do this offseason and moving forward. Rich, thank you for taking time. I know you're a busy man. We certainly appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. All right, have a great weekend. Okay, thanks thanks, 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 for, thanks very much. And uh, uh, hopefully when next time I talk to you, the self-service will uh, uh, be a little better. Everything sounded fine on our end, so our, our apologies that it wasn't that clear on your end. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. And that was Rich Dubroff uh, providing all the clarity for us. So, for example, the clarity, I, I thought that you had to be part of the 40-man roster before September 1st. Apparently, that's just for a waiver claim or somebody that's added to the organization. Did not know that. Um, and then the other thing was, I, look, the Orioles don't tell me things. They, they, I get emails from them about the Orioles' roster moves and their game day stuff and all, and what's coming to Camden Yards. I get those emails, but they don't tell me. You know, they don't call me and say, hey, Paul, I just want to let you know that Tyler Wells has been traveling with the team since uh, the injury. I have social media, and social media led, led me to believe that this was the first time he traveled with the team since hurting his back, and that that probably meant he was closer to returning to baseball activities. Now knowing that Rich doesn't think that he's that close, I, I'm going back to my original statement that I don't think Tyler Wells pitches for the Orioles again this year. I agree. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, you figure you've got, what, six weeks left in the season? Six, seven weeks? It's about seven weeks. How many games exactly is it around the... You're at, like... Um, the 50 mark? So they're, somewhere they're, in that they're, area. They're 59 and 50. Yeah, they have exactly 50 games. Yeah. They yeah. have 50 games left. I, I don't see the need to rush it. You're pitching, your rotation's pitching well. Grayson Rodriguez, I think, is more likely to come back and pitch this year. And D.L. Hall's is, is up now. The rotation's pitching well. The bullpen's pitching yep. well. Uh, the, unless there's a screaming need, I really don't see him returning to the Orioles in 2022. Right. Unless they view him as somebody that can help them in the playoffs. And you got to get there first. So Right. We'll we'll see. We'll see, man. But um look, uh, the the thing that worries me is the innings limits that I think are going to be on yeah. a number of Orioles pitchers and that's why I think that and we're going to talk about an Orioles banter after the break, but I do think that you need to really address the starting rotation and maybe one big time bat in the offseason. But we'll get into that later in um, Orioles banter. Just want to remind you that these are the final days for you to pick up the very special Salute to Coaches issue of Press Box with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other area high school, college, and pro coaches recognized inside with amazing stories told by the athletes whose lives they've impacted the most. You can find the Salute to Coaches issue for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always read every Press Box print issue at Press Box Online. And coming soon, our football preview issue, which you are not going to want to miss. It features Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and profiles of players from Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State all included inside. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one that will be out in newsstands. And are newsstands even a thing anymore? Pressbox actually has them, yeah. Oh, yeah. they have newsstands? They do. They actually, there's one on the uh, Towson campus, so oh, that's, I see it quite often. Oh, very cool. So they'll be at newsstands, and they'll be at um, over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores in the coming days. we got to catch a our second break when we come back. The payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. 
These are the final days for you to pick up the very special Salute to Coaches issue of Press Box with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other area high school, college, and pro coaches recognized inside with amazing stories told by the athletes whose lives they've impacted the most. You can find the Salute to Coaches issue for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always read every Press Box print issue at PressBoxOnline.com and coming soon. Our football preview issue, which features Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and profiles of players from Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around is brought to you today by Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or, wait for it, Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. Basically, you have no excuse to not catch up with Glenn Clark Radio. It is freaking everywhere. And you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Austin Hayes, Ryan Ripken, Hall of Famer Rob Woodson, and 
more. You can find all of those conversations in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you, sir. And now, the payoff pitch around the league. The Orioles pounded out a season-high 19 hits, including five from Jorge Mateo and four from from Ruth Neto Door, while Austin Voth took a no-hitter into the sixth inning as the Orioles crushed Tampa Bay 10-3 to take over sole possession of the third wild-card spot in the American League. Jose Ramirez homered and drove in four runs as part of a three-hit performance, and Cal Quantrill threw seven shutout innings, allowing just one hit with seven strikeouts to lead Cleveland over Toronto 8-0, pulling the Orioles within one and a half games of second place in the East. Julio Rodriguez returned to the Mariners lineup after missing 11 games with a wrist injury to drive in two runs on two hits as Seattle took care of the Rangers 6-2 and keep a two-game advantage over the Orioles for the top wild card spot. Aaron Judge hit his 46th home run, but the Red Sox scored one in the ninth and one in the tenth to come back on the Yankees for the 3-2 victory, narrowing the Yankees' lead on the, in the East over the Orioles to 11 and a half games. Gilberto Celestino and Gio Urshela each homered in the Twins' 4-0 victory over the lifeless Angels. The win kept the Twins a half game back of the Orioles for the third wild card spot. Michael Kopech, Kopech, sorry. Michael Kopech struck out 11 over six no-hit innings as workload management was the only thing that could stop the White Sox hurler who helped lead his team to a 2-0 victory over the down-and-out Tigers to keep their deficit to the Orioles in the wildcard race at two and a half games. Michael Harris and Matt Olson each homered in a 4-3 victory over the Marlins that had nothing to do with the Orioles. Juan Soto collected two hits in his return to Nationals Park and Manny Machado doubled twice and drove in two as the Nationals were no match for the Padres in the 11-5 loss. The loss dropped the Nationals to 37-77, and the worst record in baseball, and 23 games behind the Orioles, who are clearly the superior team in the mid-Atlantic region. Max Scherzer allowed nine hits, but just one run over seven innings, but the Phillies managed to pull out a 2-1 to victory. Thanks to Alec Bohm's RBI single and sack fly, the Orioles did not care. Tony Gonsolin improved to 14-1 and in six and two-thirds innings of one-run balls. The Dodgers won their 12th straight game 8-3 to over the Royals, perhaps giving the Orioles a glimpse at their World Series opponent come October. Kyle Tucker homered and drove in four to lead the Astros to a 7-5 victory over the A's. The Astros reportedly thanked the Lord above about after the game that they didn't play in the same division as the Red Hot Orioles. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt each homered to provide all the scoring for the Cardinals in a 3-1 victory over the Brewers. Yes, the same Cardinals that lost 2-3 to the Orioles in St. Louis earlier this season. Antonio Senzatella recorded a quality start and catcher Brian Servan homered to lead the Rockies over the D-backs 5-3. Former Orioles organizational player Zach Davies, Christian Walker, and Jose Iglesias all played in the game. Carlos Rodon struck out seven over six innings, a two-run ball, but in the Giants, you know what, this was the one I didn't pay attention to the final score. I think it was four to three Giants, but I could be wrong. Oh, 5-3. In the Giants' 5-3 victory over the Pirates, rumor has it Rodon saw the start as a potential audition for the Orioles' rotation when he opts out this fall. Wow. Reds and Cubs were off Friday. They begin a two-game series tonight that Zach is going to preview for you right now. By the way, you, you stumbled over the name Senzatella. That's the name, if we were doing like a tally of, of the name I've screwed up most in, in the payoff pitcher on the league, that would be at the top of it. So I, I feel it correctly. Pay- I just... I just Oh, I never say it correctly. It caught, I, it caught me off guard for see, a second. See, I don't even know what it is at this point. I think it's confused me because Senzatella. I've said it. Senzatella. Okay. Senzatella. So maybe I said it. Antonio right. Senzatella. It's a great name, really. It yes. is a great name. Not a not a lot of games on SAP today, but did, I'll get through did, them. Did you like my my Orioles theme? I, I did. The Carlos Orioles. Rodon. <laughs> I, I got to laugh out of that one. Uh, the, the Phillies won 2-1. to one. The Orioles did not care. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. All right, so Braves and Marlins 110 at Lone Depot Park. That's game one of a doubleheader today. Kyle Mueller versus Jesus Lazardo. I 
I love Lazardo. He's getting on track with the Marlins there. 3-2-9 ERA. He'll go today for them. Guardians and Jays. Tristan McKenzie, he's been on a very hot streak lately, pitching very well against Mitchell White, just acquired from the Dodgers. Blue Jays, Guardians, 3-7 of seven at the Rogers Center. Your Orioles, D.L. Hall, makes his first MOB start against Shane McClanahan, the, a guy who's incredibly good, 2-2-4 ERA, but the Orioles beat up on him a little bit last time, 4-10 at Tropicana Field. Cubs and Reds, Adrian Sampson, Graham Ashcraft, 6-40 at Great American Ballpark. Padres and Nats, Juan Soto, again, returns to Washington, D.C. You Darvish has been pitching very well against Anibal Sanchez, 7-5 in the district. Braves at Marlins, game two of that doubleheader. Marlins do not know who they're starting yet at 7-10, but Ian Anderson will be going for the Braves, looking to get back on track. Dodgers and Royals, Brad Keller versus Andrew Heaney, 7-10 at Kauffman Stadium. Athletics and Astros, 7-10. Zach Logue versus Lance McCullers. I believe this is Lance McCullers' first start of the year, so it's interesting it to is. see him. First start since last October. Right, so interesting to see him coming back and we'll see where he's at this year. Phillies and Mets, divisional matchup there. Aaron Nola, Jacob DeGrom makes his second start of the season, 7-10 at City Field. DeGrom pitched very well in his first start, or in his first two starts, I should say. Tigers and White Sox, Matt Manning versus Lucas Giolito, 7-10 at guaranteed rate field. Giolito looking to get back on track for the Sox. Mariners and Rangers, 7-15 at Globe Life Field. The lefty Marco Gonzalez versus the righty Dane Dunning. Yankees and Red Sox, the classic matchup there, 715 at Fenway Park. Frankie Montas, the newly acquired Yankee, against Cutter Crawford for the Red Sox. Brewers and Cardinals, 715. Corbin Burns, the ace, against Adam Wainwright, the vet, 715 at Bush Stadium. D-backs and Rockies, 810 at Coors Field. Zach Gallen versus Jose Urania. Love Gallen. He's having another great year for the D-backs. Unfortunately, they are not having a great year. Pirates and Giants, 905 at Oracle Park. Tyler Bede versus Logan Webb. And the final game of the night, we have Twins and Angels 907. The former Oriole, Dylan Bundy versus the rookie. He's finally back up. Reed Demers. All right. Reed Detmers is a guy that you were like, why are you sending him down? I, I did a sounding this off is, about that. This is, this I, I is like stupid. Reed Demers. I like Reed Demers. How do they pitch in the minors? When, when I, would, I have down? no idea, if I'm being honest. I'll check. Well, Zach's going to check on that. Um, meanwhile, if, if reports are that the Jets starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, uh, has a it's a minor injury that's going to require arthroscopic surgery. Surgery. He's expected to miss two to four weeks. The or the Ravens open the season four weeks from now. Joe Flacco against the Jets. Joe Flacco may be making that yeah. start there on. I would love that. Um, That'd be amazing. I think we'll, be, we'll talk I, about it end of the show. I think. I, th- I think that would be awesome. We will talk about what I want. By, I, 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 it's your show, Paul. Uh, by the way, one game he actually only pitched down there, and he pitched to a one five ERA. So good, good start for uh, for Reed Detmers. So, so what did he give up? Like one run in five innings? Uh, that one run in six innings. Um, and then you know right now he's a three four ERA in the majors. So he's doing something right. The Angels never should have sent him down in the first place. I, I don't, I don't know why they did that. But anyway, point is Reed Detmers is back. He's making a start today. My wife keeps sending me uh, snaps of our pets. Um, I see you smiling over just there, just laying right? around the house. She your, sent- your boy Bruce. Bruce, I love that. Bruce. He is, he's awesome. He's had a bit of an upset stomach the last couple of days, but it's getting better today. We're headed on vacation. We're leaving him for the first time ever. Where are you guys going again? I forgot. I forgot about this. Uh, Cancun. No, we're going. We're going to Ocean City. Oh, Cancun would be awesome. Yeah. Ocean City's still still a lot of fun. Yeah, we have a. We, our family owns a con. My family owns a condo down there. Okay. Um, so we're going down tonight, and we'll be back sat, uh, Thursday after. Okay. So yeah, but it's our first time leaving Bruce. My 14 year old niece and 16 year old nephew are going to be taking care of him every day. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. So um, I just. You, it's our, it's my first time owning a dog, and then Laura's first time owning a dog where like she didn't live with her parents. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, 
And it's our first time leaving him. It's his first time in his life that he won't be around us, right? Well, since he was eight weeks old, that he won't right. be around us. And I don't want him to, like, be scared or, like, nervous or, like, oh, am I ever going to see them again? I get <laughs> it. He's a dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, I, I want him to know that, like, we're coming back. And there's just no way to tell him that because he's a dog. He doesn't understand. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, that's that's correct. He does not understand that. Anyway, the life and times of Paul Valley. Hey, Zach, what's the title of your autobiography? Ah, uh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but autobiography. You know, if I wrote an autobiography, I, I'm I'm pretty confident it'd be good. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Nobody cares about Zach. <laughs> not yet. Not I mean, yet I, I care about you as a person, as a human being. Not but yet, I, they don't. Zach, I wouldn't read your autobiography, and I like you, man. Well, You're listen, a good friend of mine. My my dad's friend, who I, I don't really think he's like famous or anything. He wrote an autobiography. I think anybody can do it, right? Yeah, I well, mean, yeah, but yeah, like, you got to have an audience. <laughs> uh, look, look, if but, you end up climbing the rungs of the baseball world and becoming a general manager and then you're a wildly successful mm-hmm. general yeah. manager yeah well even if you're not wildly successful uh, you, yeah, you can write a book called, a my, called my life in baseball and there better be at least two chapters dedicated to me wow that'd be that'd be a lot of chapters well, I, well I, one chapter one Wh- chapter what would i say talking about your time on the bat around with legendary local baltimore <laughs> sports <laughs> talk radio host paul valley Wow. Okay, I, I'll make sure to include that. I'm gonna write it down right now so I don't forget when I'm. Famous. If you forget about me, well, in your autobiography, you. and if you forget about this show in your autobiography, we are no longer. Famous. You know, I'm gonna write the, the first paragraph is gonna say I really gained a lot of respect and admiration for that guy when he named his dog after Bruce Springsteen. If you put that in your book, I will never talk to you. Again. Okay. Let's... His name is Bruce Wayne. Damn it, he's the Bark Knight, and you get you get it right. It's way more epic. I, I do love that. That's cool. The, That's he's cool. the Bark Knight. Mm-hmm. Anyway, God, talking to you about things nobody cares about, <laughs> right? What you do care about, Orioles banter. And look, there's no title for this. And a, a lot of times with these things, I used to put like a lot of effort, time, and energy into making up an Orioles banter segment and like having talking points. And then I just like mm-hmm. it's so much better when we can just talk baseball loosely about it. Yeah, sure, when we yeah. can do, to, uh, hold on loosely and don't let go. Um, so, uh, what I want to talk about first is D.L. Hall. And I love Stan. I respect Stan. He's been a mentor of sorts to me. Uh, I, I appreciate and respect and value Stan to the nth degree. I do not agree with him about D.L. Hall. I think it is far... And that's okay. It's sports it, 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 about. Right. And we, I, I think it's far too soon to say he isn't going to be this. And Stan isn't necessarily the he saying he isn't going to be this. Stan is saying that in his mind, D.O. Hall will ultimately end up being a high-impact reliever. Yeah. And we've talked about that on this show a number of times. We talked about it earlier this year, and, yeah. I, and, and I've mentioned it. I've asked numerous people, do you think that ultimately D.O. Hall ends up in the back end of a bullpen? And everybody that all the team, all the, the people that cover the Orioles have said, no, the Orioles envisioned yeah. him as a starter. But you look at the 5.6 walks per nine in the minor leagues this year. Yeah. You look at the high strikeout totals, the ability to throw four pitches, the 100-mile-an-hour the, the fastball all from the left side, right? And that screams late-inning reliever. Now, look, if he was putting up the numbers that Grayson Rodriguez put up at AAA with a .87 whip and a two oh eight ERA, then, yeah, he's a future ace of your staff. Yeah. Ultimately... I think he has better stuff than Grayson Rodriguez. Oh, I agree too. And, yeah. and but Grayson Rodriguez consistently pounds the strike zone, mm-hmm. and and that's the difference. I do think that you can't read into what he's done at the into what D.L. Hall has done at the minor league level and say that's who he is, because while he has pitched to Adley Rutschman, he hasn't pitched to Adley Rutschman at the major league level 
with one of the best major league defenses behind him and a pitching um a, a pitching coach a pitching coaching staff that has led the Orioles to a 3.88 team ERA as of earlier this week like which would be the third best team ERA of the last 30 years yeah right so I would be I wouldn't be shocked to see him go out and throw four innings today walk four sure strike out eight and leave after giving up three runs. Right, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I also wouldn't be surprised to see him go six and a, to have a Kyle Bradish type of deal, yeah. where he goes six in the third innings, he gives up two runs, and uh, unlike Bradish, strikes out eleven. Right, uh, throwing to Adley Rutschman with that defense behind you and that Orioles coaching staff there to help you out, I think makes a huge difference for a guy like DL Hall. I agree. Folks. Yeah, I, I don't like to make blanket statements when it comes to baseball. I think that's one of the, the biggest traps you can fall down is saying, you know, a guy's going to be this or a guy's going to be that. I don't like conclusively saying things, uh, you know, without necessarily having any reason behind it. And, and you can say, sure, D.L. Hall might be a reliever. I don't like saying he will be because mm-hmm. I think they're going to give him that chance. I really do. And I really want them to give him that chance. And I honestly think he's deserved to have that chance to become a starter. And there's, you know, there's a good chance that's where he sticks. But maybe there's a higher probability of a chance that he won't stick there. Right. And I, and, and you know, Stan said, and, and as we've as we've tried to say, it's going to be fine either way, most likely. I mean, if he becomes Josh Hader, you're getting really good value out of the back of your bullpen. Josh there. Hader prior to this year. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> Josh Hader's not been quite as good, but um, you know, if, if he becomes that, you're getting a lot of value there. And if he becomes even a three starter, maybe a four, you're still getting value there. And you know, oftentimes the prospects don't really live up to the hype anyway. Mm-hmm. You go back and look at a list like go back and look at a MLB pipeline list from 2015 and tell me how many of those guys you know because it, it's probably going to be less of them than you think right so if this guy becomes anything at all that's that's impactful for the Orioles and it's gaining the value that's a win right there but you know whether it's as a reliever as a starter we really can't conclusively say at this point and he's going to get the chance to do both the, you know they'll see where he's where he really fits and what he's better at and I think that's the exact approach they should be taking I don't really think you should deviate from that repro- approach at all the Orioles just announced their roster move recalled left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall from AAA Norfolk. Okay. He will wear number 49 in his first appearance will be his major league debut. They have optioned left-handed pitcher Nick Vespi to AAA Norfolk mm. after yesterday's okay. game. So that's a corresponding roster move to get D.L. Hall here. Nick Vespi going back to Norfolk, riding that shuttle all year. Poor guy. Yeah, it's um, kind of rough for him. But, you know... He's pitched well, though. He, he really he, has. He has pitched well. He's had um, now 17 of his 21 appearances have been scoreless, even though he did give up that uh, that... Go, game-winning double to uh, to Eric Hosmer. I was going to say, Sox I couldn't remember day. who that was. It was, it, it, it was, it was Eric, Eric Hosmer. Hosmer. It, was, it was a slider on the outside corner that was left up in the zone, and right. Hosmer blasted it about as far as you can hit a baseball without it going out of the ballpark yeah. to dead center field. Um, that was the second inning of work, though, for him, correct? Was it the no, second? No, no, he only pitched a third of an inning. It was Okay. I yeah. thought he was in the inning prior to that. No, but it I, was, I, I believe it was Keegan Aiken. No, 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 no. He came in, he came in and took over for Dean Kramer. Okay. He Got came it. in and took Got over, who, who walked J.D. Martinez. I think you're correct, with, yeah. with, I am correct. He walked J.D. Martinez in the sixth <laughs> inning with two outs. And the, the thing is, I'm watching the J.D. Martinez at bat, and he, he fell behind him, I think, 3-0. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, do not give him anything to hit. He gets back in the count. It's three two. Uh, gets a foul ball, and I'm like, "Don't leave one up in the zone here." Yeah. And he ends up walking him, which was fine. I was totally fine with that. I would have liked to have seen Kramer get the opportunity to get Eric Hosmer out. Yeah. Especially when Eric Hosmer has 
pretty good reverse splits. Right? He does. He, he, he hits. Does. He hits lefties very well. You bring in yep. Nick Vespi, who's a little bit of a soft tosser. Yeah. You kind of know, like, look, you're getting about a 90 mile an hour fastball, and then you're getting a slider yeah. that he's probably going to try and paint the outside corner with. And Hosmer, to his credit, sat on one that kind of floated a little higher than Vespi would have liked. I mean, it was in the upper third of the, of the strike zone. Uh, on the outside corner. Yep. Yeah, and he sm- he smashed it. I think we can all agree that we'd rather face Eric Hosmer than J.D. Martinez. I mean, I think that's yeah. pretty... Not, not that J.D. Martinez is what he was two years ago or three years ago, but he's still having a really good year, and he's a guy that's dangerous in any at-bat. Eric Hosmer, you know, he was traded because he's not that guy anymore. He, uh, and, and never really... But he, he came only, through. He never really was that guy. No, he, not... He, not he's, yeah. he's been a good player on good teams at times in his career, but he's never been yeah. like a J.D. Martinez. No, and no. See, and that's the thing that kind of irritates me a little bit about Brandon Hyde. And I think that there's a high probability he's manager of the year in the American there, League. It really, there, especially there, if they make the playoffs, there's no doubt. There, even if they don't, mm-hmm. if this team is, is above 500 at the end of the year, and they should be, I would imagine that they should be, right? I can't imagine a world in which Brandon Hyde isn't the manager of the year. This team is expected to lose 100 to 110 games again. But he does these things. He falls in love with Mm matchups. And he wants that lefty-lefty matchup. Well, yeah, that's all good and well, but Eric Hosmer actually has good numbers against left-handed pitching. He doesn't play Ruth Nettodor against left-handed pitching, even though he hits about 30 points higher against left-handed pitching. He doesn't play Taron Vavra against left-handed pitching, even though Taron Vavra has a better batting average in the minor leagues against left-handed pitching than Ramon Arias does here at the major league level. And he has a better average against left-handed pitching at the major league level and takes professional bats. He falls in love with these matchups too much. Kramer didn't walk um, J.D. Martinez because he was done. He walked J.D. Martinez because it's a 3-3 game and he doesn't want to give up a home run right. here, so he's going to he's gonna pitch carefully to this guy. I thought he deserved the opportunity, especially after the way the way he had settled it down, yeah. to go out and get Eric Hosmer out. Um, but look, Nick Vespi, he is down to all this to say Nick Vespi is down to Norfolk again, and D.L. Hall will be making his Major League debut this afternoon at 4 o'clock uh, at Tropicana Field wearing number 49. Now, I want to talk about Jorge Mateo. Okay. And as it relates to what the Orioles are going to do this offseason. Because Jorge Mateo, look, his first half wasn't great with the bat. Um, but defensively, he's been fantastic all year. Mm-hmm. He still has trouble on the backhand side on routine ground ball. There are times when I'm like, why would you not get in front of that ball? Yeah. Uh, but the backhand sets you up better to be able to throw the ball quickly. I get that. Um, but he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. He's a, a um, second in all of baseball in stolen bases, despite being caught three of the last four attempts that he's made out there. Um, and the bat has been really, really playing yeah. for the last month plus. Uh, Jorge Mateo went five for five last night with two RBIs. On the year in the second half, he's slashing 333, 362, 621, 983 since the All-Star break. He is legitimately becoming... One of the better shortstops in the American League, if not all of baseball, at this yep. point. And news came out yesterday, and I tweeted out, also breaking, the sky is blue and water is wet. Mm-hmm. That Carlos Correa plans to opt out after right. the season yep. with the Twins. And people are like, oh, he's going to be an Oriole. And Jeremy Kahn tweets out uh, that he's going to be an Oriole. I have no desire anymore to sign Carlos Correa. You're looking at a guy that's hitting about, what, 263? This year, 263, and they also have the same war, Mateo and Correa. 11 home runs, 37 RBIs. Jorge Mateo steals bases, plays great defense, and the bat's coming around. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I, I look at that, I'm like, A, if it's Correa and Trey Turner, 
I'm going after Trey Turner well before I go for Carlos. It's Curry. not close either. It's it's yeah. really not close. For the same reasons that I'd rather have Mateo at this point than Correa, and that's such a weird thing to say, right? And it's not that I would rather have Mateo. It's just that I don't understand spending well, what it's going to cost. The price. Right. I, I don't understand what spending, and this isn't to say that the Orioles should be cheap. Right. But you're spending when you don't need to. Right. To go get a Carlos Correa. I mean, is there any doubt that Carlos Correa is a better player than Mateo? Probably not. I mean, he's he's better, but and he's a better hitter. You just have to look at the numbers here. But they have the same WAR, and the fact is that Carlos Correa is going to get paid probably two hundred plus million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Jorge Mateo is going to be making what? League, league minimum. Min- it's probably going to. I don't believe he's arbitration eligible. So yeah, league minimum. So yeah. that's a savings of literally like two hundred and ninety nine or two hundred ninety nine million dollars. And if Michael Elias has already come out recently and said Jorge Mateo is going to be part of this organization for a long time, mm-hmm. they are seeing something in him that leads them to believe he can be their yeah. starting shortstop for the next five to ten years. One hundred percent. And do I think he's going to to last five or ten years and be as productive as he is now? Maybe not. Maybe not. And, and the track record doesn't really give me evidence of that. And let's put a footnote on this that. He is being productive right now, but he hasn't been productive all season. Exactly. And yeah. his batting average has raised 38 points since July 9th when yeah. he was hitting 192. He's now hitting 230 after that 5 for five, mm-hmm. 5 performance. So it took him a 5 for 5 performance just to get his batting average up sure. to 230. But if he continues hitting the way he's been in the second half of the rest of the season, that's a guy who's probably batting 250 at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. Which, which is, yeah. with that defense, and he'll probably end up with 15, maybe maybe close to 20 home runs because he's got, what, 12 right now? I think 11, yeah. No, I think he has 12. Okay, I'm pretty sure. sure I'm pretty sure. One way or the other, yeah, he'll get yeah, to 15, 20. He'll get to 15 to 20, and he'll probably steal close to 40 bags, assuming he stops getting called at a 75% rate every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a guy who should be playing shortstop for you again next year. Oh, 100%. Which leads me to the things that the Orioles should probably be doing this offseason. They say it's lift off from here. I get that you love the season Anthony Santander is having, mm-hmm. and that Austin Hayes has... Five tool capabilities, right? Yeah. He's never going to steal 20 bags in a year, but he's not slow. He plays good defense. He's got a great arm. He's got a great bat. And he's got a great baseball acumen. He swings and pitches out of the zone a lot, which mm-hmm. I don't like. He, a lot of times he gets himself out. And Cedric Mullins is Cedric Mullins. He's not the 30 yeah. 30 guy that he was last year, but he'll probably be a 15 40 guy this year. And yeah. so I get that you like your outfield. I'm telling you, if I'm the Orioles and I'm going after a bat, it is Aaron Judge. I am putting all of my eggs in the Aaron Judge basket. A, he's the one guy you know that that wall in left field isn't going to slow down, that you can get the bat from the right-hand side. B, you can put him in right field and have that cannon of an arm in right field, or you can DH him and, and to keep him healthy. Either way, you're, you're fine there. Imagine Aaron Judge hitting in the middle of this order, surrounded by... Adley Rutschman and Ryan Mountcastle and Gunnar Henderson. Like, just imagine a lineup that has those guys in it. For me, all of my eggs this offseason are in the Aaron Judge basket, and he has an opportunity to play against his former team 14 times. Yeah. You know, to me, that's the move that makes the most sense. Will the Orioles do it? Probably not, because it's going to cost you. Rumor is he's seeking about $36 million a year. It's going to cost you a lot of money, and he's. 29 years old now? Yeah. So you're going to have to pay him into his late 30s for a body that's already showed signs of breaking down. Yeah. But with these contracts, man, you're paying for the first three to five years and accepting whatever happens in the in the back end of that 
Aaron Judge is my go-to as far as a bat. Your thoughts? As we've m- talked about this before. I know we have. As but. much as I'd love it, um, two things. Number one, I highly doubt it will happen. And number two, I think if they do try to make it happen, this is kind of what I said about Correa in, the, in this offseason. If they do try to make it happen, I just think they'll get outbid. You know, it's just, it, it's it's a thing where the Dodgers will be after him. The Padres will probably make a run. All the big teams. And he is and, from California. Yeah, and he is from California. I, I, all this time, I yeah. thought he was born in a lab under Yankee Stadium. But he, <laughs> he is from yeah. California. Well, they actually cloned Babe Ruth and they just, you know, brought out Aaron Judge. But, Mariners, I could see a, a team being in on them. The Texas Rangers love to spend money. Teams like this that that love to add big bats that always, you know, year after year do this kind of stuff. I could see, you know, outbidding the Orioles for them. Uh, that that's going to be the toughest thing for the Orioles, even if they do try, would just be to to be the one paying them the most money because oftentimes they won't be the team offering the most money. But well, but if he wants to come here, then that's one thing. Yeah, you you say that, that they'll be outbid. But you also have to look at the fact that the Orioles, reportedly, from Raul Ramos... Um, but then were, Car- uh, Carlos Correa said there was no offer, though. Did he really? He did, yeah. Huh. Correa said there was never any offer. That's what he said on the podcast like a couple weeks after he signed. So, oh, really? That yeah. there was no offer from the Orioles? And, but maybe he... I mean, he doesn't have to be telling the truth about that, either. Maybe he's not telling... Maybe the agent was like... Maybe the Orioles offered it to the agent, and mm-hmm. the agent was like, I'm not... Well, it's, to, it's Boris, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. I, maybe he's like, I'm not taking this to to Carlos because this isn't an offer right. that he's going to accept. Why would right. I? Why would I take this to him? It's just like when um, who was that guy that just got drafted in the NFL, and he, he, he I believe he's a corner, and they were at, is he a corner? No, he's a, he's a corner. What year was and, this? Uh, this year. Okay. And somebody asked him if he would do an interview for, um. A Baltimore station, and he said, "Look, no offense, but I'm not dropping that far in the draft. So why would I do an interview in okay. Baltimore?" So I can imagine it being a similar thing, where Boris looked at it and he's like, "Look, Carlos isn't going to sign that, and I don't want Carlos to sign that because yeah. there's no opt outs, there's no opportunity to to re-enter the free agent market." So I'm not taking it to him, and maybe Carlos didn't know about it about an offer, but we heard. Um, Kelvin Gutierrez earlier this year said that the Orioles went at, went after Correa. We heard Raul Ramos say multiple yeah. times that the Orioles went after Correa. He also said that they had an extension package ready for Adley Rutschman, and that hasn't come to fruition. So right. what, what, I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't necessarily think that Carlos Correa is a guy that you need, but on top of that, if the rumors were true that Elias had a big deal ready for Correa, mm-hmm. I can imagine him having a big deal ready for Judge. Because of all the things that I mentioned, that that wall doesn't stop that dude, right? And he's he's a difference maker. That you put it, like for me, if you go out and the only move you make next off season is you sign Aaron Judge, that's all. I, that's I don't care. I don't care about anything else. That's that's fine. But yeah, the, the injuries definitely concern me. I think that's the number one thing I'd be worried about. And maybe that'll bring his price down. I mean, maybe the other teams are saying he's I, not going to bring his. He's not. He, he's spent a lot of time injured these past few years, and you know it's it's definitely been a struggle for him to actually play. But this year he's been healthy and he's been the best player in baseball. So yeah. I yeah I mean I I again I'd love it. I'd love for them to go after him, and I think they should try. But well, I think it's gonna be tough. I also think that the injuries have come a lot from he's been playing in the field and he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. 
you keep him to just batting four times yeah. a, a game, DH. Five, five days a week, and then have him play in the outfield twice a week or mm-hmm. once a week, um, maybe you keep Santander, Hayes, and Mullins, or you trade um, Santander and you bring up Colton Kalzer. Kyle Stowers is an impact player. Whoever you have is your three outfielders and then judges your DH. Yeah. And then when you want a DH Rutschman or you want a DH Mountcastle, you have that option. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it it just makes too much sense to at least not knock on that door. I have so much confidence in Colton Kowser. I really do, and I think he's going to be one of the, the, the top players that comes out of this rebuild. I really think that. So I, I'm really putting a lot of the Orioles' outfield um, hopes and plans around him. I think Colton Kowser is just going to be such a big piece. And, you know, I, I, that wouldn't hold me back, though, from signing a guy mm-hmm. like Aaron Judge. I mean, I'm not, you know, again, I, I don't want to make any definitives out there. You never want right. to make blanket statements to say, oh, Colton Kowser is going to be a great player. He probably is going to be, but, he, you know, there's nothing guaranteed about that. So sure. you should never, you know, I, you should never uh, just sink all your money um, into one player because you think another one is going to be something you don't know he is. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the tough thing. Uh, and that's that's baseball. I mean, that's why it's a business. That's why it's tough. And that's why free agency every year is really interesting because you see um, you know, teams making really big bets on guys. So now let's get back to Jorge Mateo and the comments that Eli said about how he's going to be part of this organization for a long time and the defense he's playing, the back coming around. And then you look at the Orioles prospects in Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg mm-hmm. and Joey Ortiz to a certain extent and then Jackson Holliday um, who is the number one overall pick in the draft this year and they expect him to stay at shortstop. And now maybe Two, three years from now, Mateo isn't your starting shortstop anymore, and it's time for Jackson Holiday. Mm-hmm. Is Mateo really going to play shortstop above Henderson, Westberg, and Holiday? And and Westberg, if you don't trade him, and I think he's he's a high trade. I think target. he's maybe the number one guy in the system to be traded. Right, yeah. Gunner's going to play third base. If Gunner yeah. comes up, he's going to play third base. Yep. Right. I would imagine they, they they think about putting Westberg at second if they don't trade him. Yeah. And then uh, somebody's not going to be here. We, we sure. talk about this a lot, how somebody that the that Orioles fans love and have high hopes for won't be here. Yeah. Uh, I just, is Jorge Mateo really good, that kind of player that can start at shortstop over all those guys? I think this version of him, yes. If he's mm-hmm. this version since the All-Star break and what he's done defensively, what he's done you know, on the base paths, and what he's done at the plate, you combine all that and you look at that, I say yes. But I, I, I look at it and I go, is 2024 Jorge Mateo going to be the same player as he is now? I just don't know because you know so longevity is such a it's such a uh, difficult thing in this league to mm-hmm. be to be good for so many years. I mean that's why the average you know time a guy plays is so much lower um, than, than you know ten years and, and you know the way it works out the, these guys just don't play that long. So um, I don't know his longevity is a big up in the air question mark. And again I don't want to make a definitive statement about what he is and what he's not. Uh, but Westberg, I, I definitely think, is the number one candidate in this farm system to be traded. You know, there's pitching out there to get, and I think that's where Michael Elias will go with it. Um, and the fact that you do have Jackson Holiday in the mix now makes that even more po- uh, probable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jackson Holiday, I, I think they drafted him to play him. They're not going to move Jackson Holiday. Right. Um, you know, Dansby Swanson's the only number one overall pick that I can think of that got moved pretty early on. But they're not going to trade Jackson. They're Holliday. not going to trade Jackson Holiday, and he's going to come up to play shortstop at some point. So maybe Mateo is that guy until Jackson Holiday's ready to go. Maybe, maybe. Um, now, I look at the Orioles and what they're trying to do. Again, 59-53. and 53, They're a half game up on Tampa Bay for the third wild card spot. They're not that far out of the first and second wild card spot, a game and a half behind Toronto for the second spot, two games behind the Mariners for the first spot. Yeah. And 
sounds like a big number, but it was about eight games worse not that long ago. Yeah. The Orioles are only 11 and a half games back of the Yankees. I, I, every every week when we do this show, I look at the standings and I kind of go through them uh, during the show. And every week I look at the you know the last 10 games and they're usually like six and four, seven and three, eight and two. And that's just and I keep thinking, you know, next week it's going to be different than that. Next week they'll be four and six or something like that. You're the Orioles, and, right? Yeah. And and they are. And that's the the incredible part of it. And yeah, they're gaining ground. I mean, they yeah. they could easily pass Toronto. Passing the Yankees is going to be a whole different story. That's going to be difficult. Well, and they have the opportunities right there in front of them. Yeah. Right, because they've got three in Tampa Bay this weekend. They already won the first game, and that's a team that you you need to beat to pass. And they mm-hmm. they they beat them last night to pass them. They get a win today. That that's a series win, and that's back to back series. Yep. Let's pause for that on that for a second. How much garbage is it? That they considered that one win by Boston a series win and a series sweep. I don't really care because one way or the other, it's a loss. You know, it, it's, right, it still right. goes in the, in, in the L column. I so. can't say that the Orioles have won back-to-back series if they win this game today because technically, True. they didn't based on the Elias Sports Bureau or whatever that whatever the hell. Uh, it you can is. consider whatever you want. I mean, you can say one thing and they can say another thing. It doesn't, you know. Frankly, so, it, it's in, all the same in, in the win in and loss. In series columns. that are actually series and not just one game. If the Orioles win today, that's back-to-back series wins against Toronto mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you look at the previous series of Tampa Bay, they won three or four against. I, I think the Orioles right now are a better team than Tampa Bay Rays. Well, McClanahan, they. Oh yeah, da, I, w- I would agree a hundred percent. And Tampa Bay, they don't have their best player. Juan Franco's been out basically all year, so mm-hmm. that's the the toughest thing for them. And Kiermaier's out. And Kiermaier, out. right? I mean, basically half of their team that's that's been. Um, they remind me of the Ravens from from last year. Just mm-hmm. you know, so much potential, so much promise, and just get injured along the way. And when you lose Juan Franco, it's like losing Lamar Jackson. You're losing everything. And right. I think that's been the toughest thing for them. So yeah, the Orioles are definitely a better team at the moment. And I believe last time they played McClanahan, I watched that game, and I think it was in the first inning, or, or uh, they got two or three runs off him, and that's what they need to do again today. Mullins let off the game with a home run. He did, yeah. Mountcastle hit one deep to right field that was le- uh, that. What's that dude's name who just came up and just destroyed the Orioles? And that's even though the Orioles, um, no, that was the series where they lost two or three. He's okay. a right fielder. What's the, what is that guy's name? Oh, is it Low? It's Low. No, no, not Low. Not Low. It's okay. not Josh Low. It's not Brandon Lau. It's um, oh my gosh, this is gonna bother me. Sorry, guys, <laughs> I, I I gotta look this up. We were like, he was batting 083 coming into the series, and then he went like six for ten. He had he had a game winning home run against him. Uh, now I gotta I gotta figure out was he even in the lineup last night? Let me see. I don't know. I I believe it was. We're talking about low, but I I could be wrong. Lucas Rayleigh. Oh, Rayleigh. Okay. Okay. Luke, okay. Luke, yeah. Lucas Rayleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, he robbed Mountcastle of a home run, but then two other guys homered off of McClan off of McClanahan. The mm-hmm. Orioles I don't think won that game, but they they hit three. It, Santander went deep against him. Uh, so Santander Mullins, yeah. and then there was one other guy. That, I think it may have been Mateo. Might have been Mateo. I think it may have been Mateo, but um, could have been Arias too. One, one of those two. I I remember that specifically. But you got to come out and, and and bring your A game against the guy yeah. like McClanahan. And, and right now, people have been saying, you know, on online or whatever, that this is the most important series the Orioles have had since really 2017 when they were in that playoff race in August. So this is really really important that they they come out there and bring their A game against McClanahan. Right. He, and, he's and, tough. And they brought it last night. They did. They, I mean, they came out and they put a hurting. Yeah. On the Rays, that was honestly it was probably the most complete game I've seen by the Orioles this year. I would, yeah, it is. And and then 
You got D.O. Hall coming up. Hey, hey, no pressure, kid. Go up against <laughs> a be, uh, the, one of the top two yeah. pitchers in the American League East in your Major League debut. And by the way, we need to beat them to keep a playoff spot. Right. You know? Um, and I don't know who pitches tomorrow. We'll get to that uh, when we get to that. But um, this is an important series. It's the most important series of the year until Monday when you go to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, and then that becomes the most important series of the year. Then you go, you come home, you play Chicago on Thursday, and then you have a series against the Boston Red Sox, and then that becomes the most important series of the year because, and not because of the fact that it's you're getting closer to the end of the season, and you're trying to keep pace and you're trying to keep a, play, a playoff spot. So every game, my point is, every game from here on out is the most important game of the year, right? Right, and that's why all these losses are magnified. I was talking to my dad about this the other day when I. Look at it when my when the Orioles are playing well, mm-hmm. every loss is magnified. It is unless they've got such a huge lead in the division or such a huge lead in the wild card that they can't blow it. Every loss is magnified because now you're looking if even one team that's ahead of you or behind you won, right. you've lost ground. So the, all these all these games matter. I would love to see the Orioles go finish the season fifty and zero. Not going to happen, you know. But if they can finish the season thirty and twenty. They're probably in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think there's a problem about it. I think they're well, in the playoffs. Well, that's that's 89 wins. I would I would highly doubt that you miss the playoffs with 89 yeah, wins. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm really, and that brings me to, and I know that we're kind of running low on time here, but I mean it's our show. We got nothing else going on. Right? <laughs> uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Right. I really, I was shocked to, I, I, I was certain after the injury when they said that it was going to be a two to three month injury. I was certain he'd never pitch again for the Orioles this year. Mm-hmm. Right? For, for, in this, for this organization this year. Yeah. Never is a weird word to use there. Certain he wouldn't pitch the rest of this year. And now it's looking like he's probably going to pitch again. If you give me Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall back-to-back in the same game, oh my God, dude, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a pig in slop. Right? <laughs> uh, do you think that that's something that the Orioles could do? And it's got to be something that you... that they have to at least be exploring internally. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they definitely want Grayson to pitch again this year. The role and where he pitches is, is probably up in the air at this point. Um, so I'm sure they, they're not really planning too far ahead right now, and they're they're kind of considering you know wh- what their options are. I, I think if the Orioles start to pull away here and make it more and more clear that they're really a playoff contender and this is actually going to happen and they're going to get there, I think they're going to possibly try to let Grayson Rodriguez be here and, and do that and take a role that would be pretty substantial. But if they're looking, you know, maybe one game in, uh, you know, ahead of the other teams, maybe they're one game ahead of Minnesota or whatever it is, and it's looking like it's still up in the air, like the way it is right now where you're just hanging on the brink of that spot, then I think that they're going to play it a little more careful and make sure that Grayson's ready to go for next year because, you know, this is the ace we're talking about. This right. is the guy that's going to lead you uh, to a World Series based on the fact that he's going to be the best pitcher in this rotation, uh, they hope. So for me, I, I think it's it's... It really depends on where you are. If you're, t- you know, if you're really pulling away, then I think you might want to give him that shot. If not, be careful with him and, right. and keep him right. down. And then you look at the outfield and you look at Kyle Stowers and everybody. Where Stowers? Where Stowers? How is uh, how is Brett Phillips on this team and Stowers isn't? Yeah, you're calling Stowers up to play every day, right? I assume so. Maybe and not though. The way they've treated him this I year, I don't just know. Can't imagine. That. I mean. That was a cup of coffee against yeah. Toronto, and they've not. I, I don't know. I I really wasn't uh, didn't. And they were there was a couple. They faced a couple of lefties in yeah. that series. That they didn't want them to face off against. 
Kyle Stowers, if he's coming up, he's coming up to play. It's just telling to me that when they traded Mancini, they had a spot open, and he could have easily taken that spot, and they instead filled it with Brett Phillips. But he could have taken that spot, but then... And I guess it's before you knew what you had in Vavra, and you still may mm-hmm. may not know what you have in Vavra, but he puts together good at-bats every game. Yeah, he right? does. Th- yeah. He puts together good good professional bats every game. So now you get to the point where, like, okay, I, we could call up Kyle Stowers, but who are you taking out of the lineup? Are you taking out Hayes? Yeah. No. Are you taking out Mullins? No. no. Are you talking out, taking out Santander? No. And then Vavra's been your main DH, and he's getting on base at a very high clip, and he's recording yeah. a hit and a walk every single game, and he's been productive. You're probably not taking him out of the lineup, Where's the, where's the need yeah. for Kyle Stowers at this point? And I want him here as much as everybody else, but there's not, there's not really an open there's spot. Not, there's not right. a need for him. Maybe Kyle Stowers, but you know, get him to play a little first base or something, or Santander, you can get him to do that, right. and, and maybe open up a spot there. But it's it's tough. You look at the lineup, and there really isn't a spot. I'm not sure that Kyle Stowers is a better hitter than any of these guys at this point that we've mentioned. Like I, I don't think he's above Santander or Hayes. I don't really think he's above Mountcastle. I don't think he's above any of these guys hitting wise. I think he's going to be a good hitter, but he strikes out what you like you said four to one. That's a real problem, and uh, and maybe that's you know maybe that's why he he's still down right now, and it's it's and, and August thirteenth. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle has one hundred and two strikeouts to twenty five walks mm-hmm. this year, so he strikes out four to one. Yeah, Odor plays every bad. day. Basically, he strikes out of the four to one clip. Yeah. Um, Chirino strikes out of the four to one clip. Brett Phillips does also. Yeah. So you have a lot of guys, and, and um, what's his name? Hayes. He walks a little bit more. Yeah. He walks a little bit more, but he strikes out a good bit too. So do you really want to add a guy that you don't really have a need for that's going to strike out a bunch, right? Yeah. Uh, I, really, the, the need that I look at is you're just not getting enough productivity, in my opinion, out of third base. And, and out, out of your infield in general. Now, what Mateo has done since the All-Star break has been very nice. Yeah. But when you look at how badly Mountcastle has been slumping since the beginning of July, and you look at your second baseman is hitting... 203, and it's a, yeah. it's a high mark for the last three weeks. Your third baseman's hitting below 250, and your shortstop just got his batting average to a high since April yeah. of 230. Your biggest need is in the infield. I think Odor, um, I know you had some some run-ins with some people this week about Odor on, on Twitter. I saw that. It, I, it cost me to write like a 2,000-word article. Right, I, I saw that too. Um, Did you read the article? I read a little bit of it. I, I just I want I I'll get I'll read the some, whole thing. Some friend. I'll read the whole some thing for friend. you. I'll read the whole thing. I introduced I, you I, to golf. You know I. <laughs> well, no, nah, you know, nah, but I was there. You were you were when what, I was there. I was there to play golf with you when you first started. Ah, uh, that's true. You 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 saw some pretty rough. Uh, some I pretty did. rough. Worst putting I've ever seen. Oh, in my it was life. it that's, was bad. That's it a story. For, we should do a golf podcast. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. Um, you know, I I, I think. I'm kind of warming up to the idea of Gunnar Henderson. I was kind of against it last week, but the clock is ticking for a door. It's got to be because the guy has been, you know, just terrible um, for the, the greater part of a, a couple months now. And you look at Gunnar Henderson just keep, you know, continues to tear it up. I, I almost I last week I was trying to make excuses of why Gunnar Henderson shouldn't be here. Now I'm running out of them. I don't really know. Well, if you I ran can make- out of the excuse. Your your excuse last week was that Mike Elias. That's not how he operates. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, and that yeah. was because when I made the points to you that if you're saying is lift off from here and you're trying to put your best foot forward, yeah. why would you not have the best players here? Right, and Gunnar Henderson is a better player than what you currently have in your infield. Yeah, even if he hits two thirty. 
he's going to get on base at a high F- clip. I mean, right. Rugnet Odor is probably batting 196 right now. 203. 203. Not he, much better. He, he had a four-hit game. It raised his average to 203 for the first time since, I think, uh, July 16th. But he's got to see the clock taking for him. And I, I think it, the writing's on the wall for, for the way he ends up. I, I'm not sure look, he ends the season with this team. Look, you look at his last two big home runs for the Orioles. Mm-hmm. One was in July, yeah. the beginning of July, against Texas that tied the game. After he made a boneheaded play the previous in, in the previous half <laughs> inning, true. that made a what should have been a solo home run, a two run home run to give the Rangers the lead to begin with. Yeah. So Odor's home run in that ninth inning that tied the game was all well and good, but it should have been a walk off home run. Correct. You look at his home run. There was a game winner in the bottom of the eighth inning on uh, went on Tuesday mm-hmm. against Toronto. Well, if he doesn't get the ball stuck in his glove and then makes a terrible yeah. throw to home to not get the guy at the plate, if he doesn't get thrown out trying to go first to third on a base hit to left field that he had yeah. to hold up to see if the ball got caught and he gets thrown out there, then you probably aren't in a position where you need him to hit that home run in the eighth inning to give you the win. Yeah. So, yeah, the home runs are nice, but the last two big home runs that he's hit have been results of his poor play being the reason that he that, needed to hit the home is- runs to begin with. Very true, and it's upsetting, honestly, the, the fact that you know this is a guy who arguably is being paid and is here to hit home runs. That's Rugnet Odor. That's what he does. You look, Go look at his numbers. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that that's what he's here to do, and he's the not doing Texas it. The Texas Rangers are paying him $12 million yeah. Yeah. to play for the Baltimore Orioles this year. They are, and... You know, I, I don't think the Orioles are going to complain about that, but right. they 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 are going to complain about the fact that he has what eleven home runs on the season, and you know that's not really what you're paying him for. Yeah, you're, this you're, is a guy that, that if he for the at bats that he's had, he should have twenty. He should. He's he at twenty right now. He he's right. got about three hundred and fifty at bats. He should have twenty home runs. Well, the right year now. he hit thirty three home runs, he hit two seventy. Right. He made enough contact that he could get to the power. And that's always the thing when you're, you're talking about scouting prospects or whatever it is. You always say, okay, so the guy is 60-grade raw power, 70-grade raw power. But can he reach that power? Does he make enough contact to be able to reach that power? Because you're not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark if you don't hit the ball in the first place. And so that's the problem for Rugnet Odor. There is a common misnomer that I hate Rugnet Odor. I think he's a great leader. And a mm-hmm. great clubhouse guy, and he's enthusiastic. And it's the same way I feel about about Brett Phillips, as far as the personality. You love it, and he's yeah. he's like a ringleader for this team chemistry. Sure. He hits below two hundred. Right. He gets on base below two fifty. Yeah. He for every big hit he's had is a five for forty stretch right. in between. Right. So you can look look at look at Manny Machado. In 2017, that dude was just hitting walk-off grand slams l- like yeah. it, like it was no big deal. No. He was coming through in the clutch for you, and the, the, the Orioles I think went like 15 and six or 16 and five in August that year. Um, it, the the number or maybe it was like 26 and nine. It was something ridiculous. They, they were well above 500, get themselves back into the playoff yeah. picture in August of 2017, and Manny Machado was the one who was driving the force behind that. He was coming up with big hit after big hit after big hit. The difference is Machado did it more consistently, and he also got hits in other games. I was going to say, I mean, you, you can get as many clutch hits as you want, but you've got to get hits at other points, too. you got to have that first inning single. Or, you know, it, it's, Which it's, he you, did last night. He, he had four he hits last night. One of them always off of a 
position player. People, but right. People always make the joke, oh, he bought himself another month. Well, that's possible. That's possible. That oh, he, I, he, I, don't, he, I, I don't think he's DFA'd any, uh, anymore. I, I, don't, I think he sticks around the entire season. But you can't bring in Gunnar Henderson without him leaving. Well, well, I guess you can get rid of Nevin, but that's the other you, option. You, you get rid of Nevin, yeah. you move Arias back to second base, and you put Odor rightfully where he belongs, mm-hmm. which is a bench player. <laughs> yeah. And a, 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 a pinch hitter in a game where you need a home run. And a bench player who comes off the bench and hits clutch home runs? and and That's perfect. And that's the thing. <laughs> right. That's the thing. You still keep him. He still gets to cash a major league paycheck. Right. And be in a major league locker room and yeah. eat a major league spread and travel on a major <laughs> league charter. Yeah. Right? And be around a major league team and he still gets to inject that enthusiasm and energy into the team. I just felt like... Uh, Matt Foley, uh, Chris Foley, <laughs> yeah, in a van. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but you don't. He doesn't have to play every day. He can still be on your roster. He mm-hmm. can still be on your bench and be that guy who starts maybe twice a week and right. pinch hits all I mean, the other. Times. He really is the prototypical bench player. Right. And, and I believe Brendan Hyde said it a few days ago. He said, "Oh, we're going to see him play some third base in the future," which I think has us all saying, "Okay." That probably means he's headed for a bench role at some point. Maybe that means Gunnar Henderson's on the way up. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure Brandon Hyde has no idea one way or the other. And, but. and I'll tell you, in that loss, well, first off, they asked Ruth Nettledore how, how he felt playing third base last year after playing second base his yeah. whole life. He said, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you put a guy who's admittedly uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, and, also, right. and also can't hit at third base, yeah. right? And then I was at that game on Sunday when they lost 8-1 to when he played third base. And the inning where Spencer Spencer Watkins have retired thirteen straight, it's the it's the fifth inning. He had retired thirteen straight to that point. There's one out in the top of the fifth, and it's a ground ball to third base. It goes for an infield right. single. And I'm watching Odor play this ball. And Odor, what he should have done was charge in and play the first big hop. Mm-hmm. But instead, he went back and he had to wait on a second big hop and he had no chance to get the guy out of first base yeah. after that. He misplayed that because he's not a third baseman. Correct. And it was that misplay that then led to four runs because instead of it now being uh, one out, a runner on first, and Watkins is pitching from the stretch for the first time all day, it's two outs. Right. Nobody on base, and Watkins is now facing the third hitter in the order that maybe it's, it's, it's a different outcome. Right. It just, it, it, it was, Odor, nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. Not a reporter, not a journalist, not the casual fan sitting in left field. Mm-hmm. I may have been the only person in that stadium that noticed how Odor played that ball yeah. and how, because when it happened, before the guy was even ruled safe, I watched the play happen. I said, Odor, what are you doing? Right. He played that ball so poorly. Yeah. And it cost him. Nobody talks about that. Well, it's interesting, too. I, I just look at the on-base percentage. We can talk about batting average all we want. And Rugnet Nettador, I mean, you look at his numbers throughout his career. He's only hit over 270 one year in his career. Um, and He's that, hit below. He's hit 204 or worse yeah. five of the last six years. Exactly. And and let me tell you, I mean, you, you, look, you can talk about batting average all you want. That's one thing. But on-base percentage is something that the Orioles have looked at so much in this rebuild. Like every acquisition they've made, they get on, you know guys get on base. Look at Taron Vaver. Look at that acquisition, and look at the the uh, you know draft picks they've made. They're they're all on-base machines. That's the kind of guys they go for. I and mean, Colton Kowser is another great example of it. This is the opposite of that guy. Rugnet Odor, Brett Phillips. They're not. They have on-base percentages lower than two sixty-five. That's. I mean, there's there's guys that hit 
you know, 320 in this league. They're, they're, their batting average is 320. And you're telling me that someone can be employed on a team that has an on-base percentage under 265. That's just, that's that's the problem here. I mean, that's that's the real reason. And we don't hate Rugnet Odor. We don't hate Brett Phillips. We're just putting it out there that these guys get on base very little. And his war, Rugnet Odor's war is zero. He hasn't really provided anything to this mm-hmm. team. Think that's, about, that's think about that. that he is, I think they rated him as the 11th most clutch hitter in baseball this year. Yeah. Six of his 11 home runs have come in critical situations yeah. this year, and his war is still zero. Right. His war right. is still... That's how bad he's been because this year. Because he takes away on the field when he's playing outside of these clutch situations. He's in, just taking away from the wins. In that article that I wrote last Sunday that came out on Monday for Utah Street Report, mm-hmm. I stated, and it's not true now because Odor got up over 200 last, last night, but it will be true probably in another couple of days. The Orioles are the only team in Major League Baseball to have three guys on their active roster Mm -hmm. with 100 or more plate appearances and a batting average below 200. They're the only team in baseball. And it's not like they're the 52 and 110 Orioles. They're 59 and 53 and hold a wild card spot. If the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs and they are rostering three guys batting below 200 with more than 100 plate appearances uh, on their roster. And the other thing is, all three of those guys actually have more than 150 yeah. plate appearances. You Winning teams don't roster, don't have a roster like no, that. No, They don't have a... And, and I get that, like, well, some of these guys that would be replacing them just aren't ready. Uh, no, Gunnar Henderson's ready. Uh, I, I would agree at this point. He's Gun, probably ready. Gunnar Henderson's ready. Okay? I don't care that he went a two-week stretch without hitting. Odor's gone four months without hitting. <laughs> Correct, yeah. Ramon Arias has gone basically the better part of the last six weeks without hitting. Yeah. Ryan Mountcastle hadn't hit a home run since July 3rd until this week. Yeah. Austin Hayes has one home run since July. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me that it's okay for them, Major League at this point, veterans of Major League Baseball, to have slumps. But it's not okay for a 21-year-old who's nine months younger than anybody else at AAA right. to have a two-week stretch where he maybe doesn't hit 300. Well, it's cherry-picking is what it is. Right. It, it's it's you know trying to pick out things that can make your argument look correct. Um, Gunnar Henderson's ready. I think that's pretty clear. He's mm-hmm. dominating AAA. He's dominating. like not, not just surviving. He's dominating, and he dominated AA too. And he's dominated really every level he's been at for, for his entire career. So... He's ready. That's one thing. Kyle Stowers probably ready. You know that probably ready. I would think. At a certain point, you are who you are, and the yeah. game today, everybody strikes out. Mm-hmm. It's rare to find the guys that don't strike out a ton. So at this point, you are who you are. Kyle Stowers, ready. Gunnar Henderson, yeah. ready. Jordan Westberg, if he's not ready, he's damn close. He's probably ready. And 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 by ready, we don't mean when we say that we don't mean that they're at the peak of what they can. Ready be. to be all stars. It means they, that they're ready to be a productive player at the big league. Exactly, level. they're ready to go. They're not going to be. And we're not saying Kyle Stowers or Gunnar Henderson or any of these guys are going to come up here and hit 320 and have an on base percentage of 420 or something like that. We're not saying that. But what we're saying is that they're clearly ready and they're better than what the Orioles currently have on their mm-hmm. major league roster. And again, I'm still going to stick with the idea that Michael. Elias is not going to bring up Gunnar Henderson, but getting guys like Rugnet Odor off the roster, it's just going to happen sooner or later, or if he's a bench player, I'm perfectly fine with that too, because I think there is a lot of value he can bring as a clutch hitter off the bench. It makes sense. I do think it's telling that so many people around the Orioles fell for the fake tweet that Gunnar Henderson had been 
called up. That's true. I, 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 do, I, I, do, yeah. I do think that that's telling. It is. And I also think it's telling that most of the Orioles reporters mm-hmm. aren't writing it off that Gunnar Henderson plays this, for the Orioles this year. Because how can you really? And, I mean, and, you look at the numbers, you can't write it what off. I, what, what I've come to realize is, for the most part, these beat writers around the Orioles are correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this year, everybody predicted about a 100-loss season. Yeah. Everybody was wrong. So I'm not going to hold that against them. Last year, I thought that the Orioles were better than they that they ended up being. I thought that they were better at the beginning of the year than they yeah. actually were. And the, the beat reporters were like, look, this is going to be a 100-plus loss team. Yeah. That's what, and, and they were absolutely correct. I have come to realize that they're correct about this team yeah. more often than not. And if they're not willing to write off Gunnar Henderson playing, I'm sticking with that because I think he helps you right now. If they called him up today... I think he helps you get to the postseason. Well, I think the biggest, we, we've agreed on this, that the biggest remaining hole is at third base. He solves that. Simple as that. Yeah. I, he, he solves it. I agree. I agree. All right. Another long show. We got to catch our final break. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Simply the Bets and Weekend at Bookie. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook General Manager Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And then... Every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. You can listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and you can watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Final break. When we come back, take the rake on the bat around. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. 
These are the final days for you to pick up the very special Salute to Coaches issue of Press Box with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other area high school, college, and pro coaches recognized inside with amazing stories told by the athletes whose lives they've impacted the most. You can find the Salute to Coaches issue for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always read every Press Box print issue at PressBoxOnline.com and coming soon. Our football preview issue, which features Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and profiles of players from Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local teams. If you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, we are back here on the batter on the closings out with take the rig. Zach just informed me that he. I don't. To, I don't know the, if we have to talk about that it. That he has to pee so bad. I'm like. I, uh, I'm like. Look. I'm like. The, why didn't you go during the break? It was like a three and a half to you four know, I, minute break. I, the bathroom is literally ten feet away. <laughs> I think Zach forgot that we aren't at the Meadow Mill building anymore. No, that's where not the what bathroom was literally a half mile from. You know from what the it was? I, I just wanted to hear the the old GCR music, and I knew I had to be here for that. So you know, you're the you're, you're the producer. So yeah. like this 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 music plays regardless. You, you would have been here. It does. I guess that's true. I I, I I don't know. I don't know. How long does it take you to pee, man? Well, it's, it's apparently like a, it, apparently a long time. It's like a thirty time. to forty five second t- I, uh, experience for me. Maybe at for most, you. It, at, at most, Zach Zach needs to go get his prostate checked. <laughs> he takes I gotta get a, he yeah. takes five minute pisses. <laughs> apparently, are you allowed to say that on the radio? Piss? I don't know. No, well, I just said well, it twice. You know. I just said it twice. I think Glenn. Right. I think Glenn's has said it a few times in his show. Anyway, right. take to rake. I was running away with this thing mm. until last night. I took Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. He was six for 18 going into last night. And then he went out for five. Mm-hmm. You had Adley Rutschman, who was four for 16. Okay. And then he went one for three with a home run last night. So Ryan Mountcastle on the, on the week. Six for 23, two doubles, a home run. Three RBIs, three walks, which is surprising for guys who only walked 25 times mm-hmm. all year. That's a 261, 346, 478, 824 slash line. Adley Rutschman, five for 19, a home run, two RBIs, both of which, both stats came last night. Seven walks, 263, 461, 421, 882. So. What was Ryan's OPS again? 824. 882 versus 820. Okay. Right. Okay. And basically, the, the, the difference there is that 
Rutschman walked seven times, which right. isn't raking, but it's having nice plate appearances. Correct. Yeah. Right. So here's what here's what I look at. You took Adley Rutschman because he's the best player on the team, and he had he's been hot. He's hitting three forty six over his last twenty games. Right. Mm-hmm. I took I took Ryan Mountcastle because I saw glimpses the week before of him breaking out. And then he goes out and he has his best week in, I don't know how long, two doubles, a home run, three RBIs, three walks. When you look at the direction that Rutschman's been headed Mm -hmm. and you look at the direction that Mountcastle's been headed, for Mountcastle to put up that week, I think gives him the edge. That's my opinion on the matter. Okay. Adley Rutschman statistically probably had his worst week in about three weeks. Mm -hmm. But still... But good, still, good week for for what four twenty on base percentage for four sixty like on base percentage four twenty four twenty seven yeah. percentage. So you look at Ryan Mountcastle was more productive with his hits and mm-hmm. had more extra base hits, had the higher slugging okay. percentage. Mountcastle had the higher on base percentage and therefore had the higher OPS because of all those walks. Right. So, what do we do? It's pretty damn even. We could call it a tie. We could. We it's, haven't done that the, for a while. I yeah, don't know. I I don't know. We haven't done that for a while. It's they had so similar, such similar weeks. Uh, I I don't know. And it's not just be. It's not. What, what if we just continue this in the next show? You know, we just do that. We just keep these guys and have them go for another weekend. That's the show. a great. We've never thought to do that before. Let's just do that. I think that's the so best. Where yeah. I keep Mountcastle, you keep Adley, and yeah. we see how next week plays out, and that's yeah. the tiebreaker. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it sucks that you get Adley two weeks in a row, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm, what What if we do it as whoever performs better today wins the wins the tiebreaker? We get like the, the Saturday game. Um, I don't like that because they're going up against Shane McClanahan. They are, but Sh- isn't Shane McClanahan a lefty? Yeah, I think so. Let me let think me look so. that up real quick. I should probably I, I know think, that. I think I should definitely. We we both should definitely know that. Let me look that up real quick. Um, Shane McClanahan, Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. Yeah, he's a lefty. Yeah, which means Rutschman will be batting from the right side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm fine with that. Look, I'm fine with that. I I'll make that deal. Um. Okay, so we'll do the rest of the series. Okay. We'll do the rest okay. of the series to determine the winner between from last week. And that means both of those guys are off limits for us now. We can't just flip-flop here and say, I take Malcastle, you take Adam. Right. So both those guys off limits. Both those guys week. are off limits for this week because we're going to wait to see what they do in the last two games of this series. Rutschman probably doesn't play tomorrow. Whatever. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Let's just go with it. All right, if Rutschman doesn't play tomorrow, it's just today. If Rutschman okay. plays tomorrow, okay. it's, it's the whole weekend. But now we got to pick two player. He's got to pick a player starting today through, in, through next Friday. Mm-hmm. And I get to pick first because I won last week. Correct. I'm taking Austin Hayes. Mm, okay. I saw some swings last night that looked very good, including yeah. a really hard hit single to right field. So I'm taking Austin Hayes because I think he's about to break out. Give me the shortstop. Jorge Mateo is my pick for this okay. week. Hayes for me. Mateo for you. We got a great comment. I just want to read, by the way. Great comment. It says, I would take Adley for take the rake every week. He can tackle Christian McCaffrey, can kick the football like Justin Tucker, play catcher like Buster Posey, switch hit like Eddie Murray, swim like Michael Phelps, and host the prices right like Bob Barker. What can't he do? It's a great comment. He can't be picked every week for <laughs> he can't Jake be Drake. You can't pick the same player two that weeks is, in That a is row. true. That, so he can't do that. But other than that, Adley Rutschman. Yeah, great player. 
All right, so I'm writing in the notes that they that this was a tie. So we are So we're giving Mountcastle and Adley a little a little tiebreaker the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the rest of How, why have we never thought to do this before? Like, I have I, no I, idea. Yeah, I, la- lack of uh, intelligence of on both our ends. Taking, let's see. Paul takes Hayes. Why am I? Why am I doing this? Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul takes Hayes. Interesting end of the show, right? And here. Zach takes Mateo. By the way, uh, Orioles just released the, the starting lineup for today. It does not include Cedric Mullins again, so that's interesting. Every time they go up against a lefty, last time he was in the eight hole, today he is on the bench. So McKenna leading off again today. Adley Rutschman in the four hole uh, today instead of his normal two spot. Um, hey, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Yeah, McKenna, Santander, Mountcastle, Rutschman, Urias, Hayes, Mateo, Odor, Chirinos. Rutschman is DHing, mm-hmm. which means he's catching tomorrow. You're probably right, yeah. You're I am probably right. right. They're not going to give him two days in a row. I thought they'd catching. have him catch Deal Hall, though. You know, I thought that'd be a... Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> I, I knew you wouldn't like that. I knew you wouldn't like I that. I didn't even think about that. Why are you... All right. Whatever. You, you, you have... The best pitch frame, one of the best pitch framing catchers in all of baseball, mm-hmm. who's clearly been the difference maker on this team, right? We've seen the strikes that this guy steals. We see how yeah. he impacts a game. You're bringing up a guy whose biggest flaw is that he doesn't consistently throw strikes, and you're having Robinson Chirinos, who is a terrible pitch framer, catch. It's questionable at best. Yeah, this is so great. freaking stupid. This is so stupid. I, I, <laughs> these are the things that make me wonder if Brandon Hyde is destined to, to manage the next the, the next winner. And look, the Orioles could be a winner this year, right? How this is this is mind blowing to me that you wouldn't have Rutschman catching. I DL can't Hall. say I agree with it. And no. it's not like. This was a 7 o'clock game and then a 1 o'clock game. Yeah. This is a 7 o'clock game and a 4 o'clock game. Okay. okay. And Rutschman, yeah. Rutschman's 24 years old. Well, he, he's caught the last three days, so maybe that's why they wanted it. But I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree. I'm not trying to back up the Orioles here because I, I do not agree with that decision. Right, but they didn't play on Wednesday. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So, yeah, they, he, they didn't play on Wednesday, so he's caught the last two games. Right, but then I think he called on Tuesday as well. Yeah, so I think but there was a day off in between, so that doesn't matter. That 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 that, that point is moot. Guess so. I'm not. It, gonna, I'm not arguing. It's, it's moo. It's like a cow's opinion. It's <laughs> moo. Thanks, Joe. I I always say you're like Joey Tribbiani. There's a there's there's a reference. I I just don't get. And this is my final thought. I'm my, I'm, I'm going to use that one as mine too. I think that's a great. My, my my final thought for today's show is that Brandon Hyde. For as good as this team has played, mm-hmm. and for as good as he is at keeping a cohesive unit, keeping the team chemistry at a very high level, he does some things that are just so questionable <laughs> to me. And that's and that's putting it lightly. Like batting McKenna leadoff. Yeah. I don't mind. McKenna got a base hit the last time uh, he batted leadoff. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. And he's not having a yeah. bad year. Um, and he's and he's hitting right-handers, left-handers pretty well. This he year. is, actually. Okay. Yeah. But... Starting Odor against 
right-handers, even though he's better against, and, and sitting him against left-handers, even though he's better against left-handers, although Odor is playing today. Bringing in a lefty to face Eric Hosmer, who mashes left-handed hitters. Mm-hmm. Having Adley sit at, for a 4 o'clock game on Saturday after catching on Friday, when you're bringing up one of your top pitching prospects whose main issue is... Command. Command. Yeah. Uh, this move doesn't make sense to me. No. I, I don't understand... The thought process. I understand the thought process. I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get where his mind is. I don't agree with it. And look, he's a manager of Major League Baseball. I am not. But it's moves like that that make you not a manager of Major League Baseball for very long. And it's not a smart one. No, I just I I can't imagine running out that lineup card and saying Theo Hall's here to pitch. Let me put. Let me start Robinson Torinos. Right. And yeah, he's talked about how great Robinson Torinos has been with the pitching staff this year. Guy can't pitch for him. No. And we don't have robot arms yet. No. And you have a starter who has command issues. Yeah. Start Torinos tomorrow. Like you can start him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It, it. Or even DH him today and let Adley catch. I mean, there's a. You, you don't. Know, need, it, you're never DHing Robinson. If Torinos. you want to get him in the lineup, maybe you will. Look, I mean, the only I, you know, reason I, you ever want to get him in the lineup is to give Adley a day off. Right. Yeah. Technically, you're, yes. you're never DHing him. And, and Taron Vavra's not in the lineup, which is whatever. We know that he doesn't doesn't even give Vavra a shot yeah. against lefties. He's one for four against lefties at the big league level, and he never he hasn't gotten a shot since. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with not starting Rutschman. Uh, and to me, that's that's as much a head-scratcher as anything Hyde has done yeah. this year. <sighs> anyway, your thoughts. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean that that's kind of where I want to be with my final thought too. I talked about bullpen usage uh, last time, last week about you know just making sure CNL Perez is being used too much, and I, I think for me, um, you know, it's going to be kind of the same thing as you're talking about, just making you know good decisions that are are logically based. You know, making sure you're not falling too much into the trap of you know this guy is a reverse splits guy or the the matchup moves you were talking about, not getting too obsessed with those matchup moves, and you know start you know maybe starting to think about. Things a little more logically in some in some areas, and I think that'll that'll end up giving you a few more wins by the end of the year. But I, I do say I I do think Brandon Hyde is doing a fantastic job, and clearly the chemistry um, that he is producing in the in the clubhouse is you know second to none this year. So questionable decisions, no doubt, and bullpen usage I hope continues to to stay where it is because I think he's been doing better with that lately, mm-hmm. and I think it's improved since last time I talked about it. But hopefully, um, you know, they, they don't continue to overuse guys. Um, you know, I'd like to see a little more Keegan Aiken. I, I feel like he hasn't pitched that well this year, but just to save other guys, I think it's important. Well, he's been pitching a lot more recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they've decided that one inning Keegan Aiken is probably better yeah, sure. at this yeah. point than the multi-inning. Yeah. Keegan Aiken. I would like to see a little less Brian Baker in high level. I would also like to see a little because less Brian Baker. When, when Brian Baker comes in in a game that's either already decided or the Orioles are comfortably ahead or uncomfortably behind, um, Baker's very good. Yeah. Yeah. But when Baker comes in in these situations like where they just tied the game against the Reds and then he proceeded to walk the, the first two batters that he faced and then they ended up losing the game because of that. Yeah. yeah. And then he comes in on. Um, Tuesday night, the Orioles have a lead, mm-hmm. and he proceeds to walk the first guy he faces and give up a two-run homer to the second guy, yeah. or a three-run homer to the second guy he faces. Uh, th- he's coming into these high-leverage situations, and he's failing. Yeah. I-, I would rather not see Brian Baker pitch unless it's earlier in the game and not a high-leverage situation yeah. until he proves that he can get that ERA down below four and keep it there. And the- I- yeah. If you're an, honestly, if you're a reliever and your ERA is above three two, 
I don't really have a use for you. Yeah. Unless you're like unless you're Keegan Aiken, you're a multi inning reliever. But anyway, I digress. Ravens won their twenty first consecutive um uh preseason game. They did. On Thursday, twenty three to ten over the Titans. Uh, Huntley was fine. Sixteen of eighteen, hundred and nine yards a touchdown. Um this tight end Isaiah likely looks Yeah. Fourth really round pick good. from Coastal Carolina he, I, he, looks he's really gonna, good. He's gonna he and Andrews, I can see them being nightmares for defenses yeah, this yeah. year. Um, and then the the wide receiver Bridges. Yeah, Shamar Bridges. Yeah, yeah he looks really good. He doesn't look very fast. No, but he's tall. Yeah, and he catch he he, he wins uh, jump balls. Well, Anquan Bolden, you know they they haven't had a guy as big as Anquan Bolden who can go up and get the the ball over a corner. You kind of and kinda Anquan Bolden qu- wasn't. Big as he far as height wise, but right. he, he was he was a muscular dude. He was strong. Right. And, he was really and, strong. And he's he's really the last guy I felt like they've had that can just go up there and get any ball. He can mm-hmm. really you know pull the ball out of the air, jump Win over a one corner. One. You know, moss a guy for for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had a guy like that since him. And I feel like they've been looking for it. I think Shamar Bridges might be that guy. Bridges Bridges and Isaiah likely were those, were those yeah. dudes. Yeah. The, the one catch that that likely made. Um, down the left, oh, down the down the left hash, yeah, was incredible. Great throw by Huntley there mm-hmm. too. And, Great and throw. The first catch he had in the red zone, right before the Mike Davis touchdown, mm-hmm. he caught the ball and then made like four dudes miss. Yeah, you yeah. know, it was it. He, well, it he, was Lamar esque yeah. the way he juked those guys out and, and and got himself into space and was able to get the first down. Yeah, and and it, he said that like he all in all he felt like he had a good game, but there's some blocking schemes that he really needs to improve upon. And yeah. look, you can get him into that lineup and not have to worry too much about the blocking I mean, in certain situations. as a wide receiver. You know, right right there. I, I, but but I think he's so much more dangerous with a wide receiver type of games skill set mm-hmm. playing from the tight end position. You might be right. You know, he'll get more coverage from linebackers and safeties exactly. as opposed to corners. So yeah, that's that's not a bad observation. Exactly. Look, otherwise, look, Mike Davis looked fine. I I, I would have Tyler Beatty looked decent, especially yeah. more so in the passing game. Yeah. Um, I thought I, I think he's going to be a player for the. That's going to be his role, I think, and that's great. That's yeah, a great I, role. I, I thought Justice Hill looked explosive coming off oh, that Achilles yeah, injury, yeah. right? Uh, it was the Achilles for Hill, right? It was the Achilles. Yeah, and if you remember the Steelers game where it was a, it was the COVID game where Justice Hill was one of the only uh, available running backs for the Ravens, mm-hmm. he was excellent in that game. I don't feel like people talk about it enough. He was so electric, and he was you know making guys miss and and holding on to the football. He looked really good back then. I think he looked the same way uh, t- t- you know a, a few nights ago. So I, I love seeing that. And so look, J- J.K. Dobbins is back to practice. Now, look, he missed practice yesterday. Yep. And I think he wasn't there today. I think that they're kind of trying to. Monitor his innings. Ease him in. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but th- they have a lot of running backs and not a lot, for not a lot of spots. You yeah. look. I mean, I think Beatty's going to make the team. Mm-hmm. I don't. Gus Edwards isn't going to be ready for Week One, and, right. and I, I could realistically see it being, you know, Dobbins. Maybe Dobbins isn't ready for Week One. Maybe yeah. he's just qu- not quite ready. And then you could have um, Davis, Corey Clement, yeah, uh, Beatty. And Justice Hill as the active. I think you got to go with Justice Hill. You have to. The way he looked, right? He should look like that, being a third round pick in his fourth year in the NFL now. (laughs) Yeah, it's third, third or fourth year. Uh, Tyler Beatty, I think, is a guy who sticks in the roster on the and the and the game day roster all year. Sixteen hundred yards in the SEC last year. He had uh, and he catches the ball out of the backfield really well. He's fast. He's shifty. 
Scores a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. I think he had 22 touchdowns last do, year. Do you remember 22. Wendell Smallwood with the no. Eagles for a while? Uh, the, run, yes, the running back. Yes, yes, I believe yes. he might have won the Super Bowl with them. That's my comparison to Beatty. They look very similar. Wendell Smallwood was really good out of the backfield, could catch the ball. Um, bit Darren, of, Darren Sproles type bit of, of thing? Darren Sproles, yeah. Maybe not as good as Darren Sproles, but that you know that kind of guy who gets out of the backfield and, and is often in a passing situation, um, but can make guys miss and you know a little bit of a smaller body type. That's kind of what I thought when I saw Tyler Beatty. I was like, wow. And Smallwood was a really, you know, he's not really. I think he's still around. He's not doing much anymore. But that kind of guy is useful. And they haven't had that kind of guy um, for a while. And, and who was there was a running back, too. Uh, it was Danny Woodhead, who was with the Ravens in, I think, 2019 or 2018. 2018. 2018. Another guy who kind of had that similar Heard role. Hurt his hamstring so, the first game. Right. And the Ravens haven't really had one of those past-first running backs since him. So I, I think that'd be a, be a good move to have him on the yeah, roster. Yeah, and... Uh, now let's get to Lamar Jackson didn't play. Yeah. He's not going to play next Sunday against no. the Cardinals. And maybe he does because it's Murray and 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 Jackson. I doubt it though. Does do you think Lamar Jackson plays at all this preseason? I hope not. <laughs> I, got, I don't think so. He got so. one series last year um in the fi- in the third and final game mm-hmm. and JK it's not his fault, but JK Dobbins got hurt on that series and if you look at giving your star players one series in the final game and then in the final preseason game and they get hurt on mm-hmm. that series you don't look good and you can't have that happen two years in a row i i'd be very surprised to see lamar jackson play at all yeah this preseason so wow twelve forty two. longest we've ever gone i was gonna say longest show i think it's the latest we've ever gone on the show but we're 15 minutes closer to our homes than we were at the <laughs> when we are no 20 minutes probably yeah. closer yeah. than we were before so it's all right Great show. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment and to Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com for taking some time out of his busy weekend schedule to talk with us today. Had a lot of fun talking about D.L. Hall's debut. Head scratcher of all head scratchers, aside from the Brett Phillips uh, acquisition, is <laughs> Hyde not catching Rutschman to ha- for D.L. Hall de- Hall's debut. Now watch him go out and throw seven innings of two-run ball. Uh, that'd be funny. You know, whatever. be great. Um, look, Things are happening here in Baltimore. D.L. Hall might be the first of just a few prospects that are going to come up and make a difference for the Orioles. They have a wild card spot, 59-53. and 53, First time in the history of us doing this show that the Orioles are in playoff contention. It's true. Exciting times here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. See ya!